stabbing to get you, Barbara. Oh, that's creepy. <laughs> I love it, though. Now me, I not only drink really, I really drink. We are Buzz on Movies. <laughs> Keep wanting to be like, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm a sorry. I'm a sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, cold open. Um, hmm. So... Right. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to Buzzed On Movies. I'm Teddy. And I'm Matt. We're here this week to celebrate Valentine's Day, which is coming up. And what better way to recognize that than reviewing... Murder. The, my, oh. <laughs> murder? <laughs> my, my Bloody Valentine 1981 and the 2009 remake. woo uh, fun fact, we are recording on the 40th anniversary of the original My Bloody Valentine. Yeah, we didn't even plan this, but no. here we are. No. Came out 40 years ago today. Spooky. And if we get yeah. killed while recording, just know that it was the minor. Um, if, yeah, if a minor comes in, not not like a minor, like a person under 18, but like a guy... <laughs> Wielding a, wielding a pickaxe with a gas mask on. I didn't even like think uh, about minor as meaning a person under eighteen. So that was like that really caught me off guard. Um, that would be really funny if like the the big villain of this was the minor. It was just like some sixteen year old. I actually think um, we should discuss age in the the original My Bloody Valentine. I had I was like trying to figure out what age these characters are supposed to be for half the movie. I was like, are they college students? Are they young adults? What the fuck is happening? Um, I feel like they're in their early twenties. I think or so. I think that's right. I think they're in their like mid twenties, maybe. They um, do seem oddly um, fixated adolescent? on on a. <laughs> Well, yes, they seem oddly fixated on a Valentine's dance, which yeah. is like a very high school thing. But they're also in a very remote area, so they might not have a lot of opportunities. They really, for fun. they it seems they have nothing else going for them. So I really don't blame yeah. them for that. They're in a coal town. Half of them are going to die by the age of forty of the medical complications that come from working in a coal town. Like, that, look. oh no! Um, <laughs> um, so, I've got um, the black lung. <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, now would be, a, you know, we're not even talking about the movie yet. Now would be a good time to mention that any when I was watching these movies, anytime somebody was like, oh, it's it's the minor or they talk about minors or say minors. I would literally say out loud, zoinks, it's the minor 49er every single time. I would just say it out <laughs> <What>? loud. <laughs> like, <laughs> you in a, a Scooby-Doo kind of mood? Is that I'm always in a Scooby-Doo kind of mood. Um, oh. I love Scooby-Doo. Um, oh. And my, my main connection to evil minors is definitely Scooby-Doo's Minor 49er. That, like, and I don't think that's an abnormal thing for people our age. So That's, I suppose so, yeah. Um, not a lot of other evil minors in my life. Yeah. In fact, there from? might only be two evil miners, and one is from My Bloody Valentine, and the other is from Scooby Doo. Those might be the only evil miners I'm aware of. So, other I than like Bron some Bron other. the boy is an evil miner. Mm, oh, God. I was going to say, other than some other evil miners who just like run the coal industry and, you know, have been ruining our planet for decades. But, um. Yeah, other all right. Than that, <laughs> the true evil. Okay, yes, but before we get into this talk of evil miners and 
ex- excessive consumption of Moosehead beer, let's talk about <laughs> yes. s- some of the things that have been going on in movie news these days. Um, well, award season is kicking off. It's a very We've odd gotten, award season. Yeah, I mean, this is the strangest award season in history. Usually, around this time of year, we would already have the Oscar nominations, but the shortlist just came out, and they're not going to give us the actual nominees for, like, another month, I think. Yeah. Because uh, the Oscars aren't till like, April, which is weird as hell. It's, that is weird. It's a very strange place to be. So this I is wish gonna they be would a- go ahead and give them to us now, though, so that those of us who try to watch all of them could have the time because it's going to take time. Like, Oh yeah. It's going to take a little time. <laughs> a little it's going to take a little time. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, it sure is. I mean, this year I'm more nervous than ever about being able to finish the Oscars death race. Um, I mean, like, obviously we don't have access to theaters. We can't even like, living in areas where we have access to art house cinemas and stuff that plays like the documentaries and the foreign films and stuff like that. This year we have none of those advantages. We only have the internet (sighs) and we have to manage to see everything by the grace of the internet. So who it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. And the more time we have available for that, the better. Um, But yeah, the shortlist just came out. The Golden Globe nominations have come out as well. Um, so there's there's a lot of awards chatter these days. Uh, it seems like Mank is doing very well. Yeah, Mank, uh, Mank led the nominee nominations at the Golden Globes. Um, good sign, probably, that it will get a lot of nominations at the Oscars. I think we already kind of knew that, so not totally shocking. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven also was high up there on on list on nominations. I think it got five, um, whereas Mank got six. So you know, yeah, um, it's interesting. It's interesting because it's like with these digital releases, it's like there there's no like fanfare to them or anything. Yeah. Like Trial of the Chicago Seven dropped in like randomly in like like October or something right. and was promptly forgotten by everyone. But apparently it's a strong awards contender. So who knows? Like this is going to be such a weird year for awards. It's going right. to be hard to tell who's got the real momentum going in. Um, Promising young woman also Promising is woman, yeah. doing very well on the nominations. Uh, I would expect that one to still I expect that one to carry over into the Oscars, I would think. Um, yeah. Just the buzz. Of, out of a, a lot of the movies listed, or a lot of them listed, the movies that got Golden Globe nominations are movies that really don't have a ton of, like, buzz backing them up. Like you mentioned, Trial of Chicago 7, I mean, it could get a lot of Oscar nominations, or it could get none, and neither would surprise me. Like, because it just doesn't have mm-hmm. any buzz that I'm really, like... You know, like, who's yeah. talking about it? Who's going to, like, fight for it when it comes to Oscar nominations? Um, I don't know. Mank, I expect to get a lot. That did get buzz just because, you yeah. know, virtue of being Mank. Um, Promising Young Woman got a ton of buzz. I expect to get nominations. But, like, you go down the list, I don't know, like, what of these other movies are getting, nominate like, Oscar nominations and had buzz? Like, The Father? No. Nomadland? Don't think so. <laughs> Borat, subsequent movie film? Not an Oscar movie. Um, like... 
It could get a couple nominations. I mean, uh, supporting or lead actress, there's been some push for that. Um, it could, and, especially because of and, the, and best. The, it has a best song. It made the shortlist for best song. True. <laughs> the, the the Darth <laughs> for the of the Wuhan uh, flu song. The the Darth of movies to choose from may benefit some of these movies, like that because so many like contenders were also pushed out of actually being released during this time, there's a chance that some things will get nominee nominations that wouldn't in other years where we'd had a full movie release year. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a crazy year and movies that otherwise would not be contenders might be in a good position just because of what's going on right now. Yeah. Kind of like, uh, kind of like NCAA basketball right now. Ah! I mean, who, um. <laughs> who would have thought we'd be at a place where Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, Michigan State, we're all unranked, but here we are. So who knows? There there are some teams who are not unranked. There are some teams who are top 10. Some teams (laughs) are taking care of business. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Unless they have to play their turkey-themed rival, in which case. Oh, no. Oh, no. But Um, it's just it's an unpredictable year all around. So that might end up impacting the Oscars. Who knows? Yes. Um, yeah. Other movie news recently. Uh, it was announced today that um, Adam Wingard is going to be making a sequel to Face Off. Yes, I saw that too. We haven't even <laughs> talked about this separately. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, this is interesting. Yes. Um, Adam Wingard has made some very great films like the guest and you're next mm-hmm. he's currently um, doing the fucking godzilla um well it's done now i'm pretty sure but um yeah he did the godzilla movie that we haven't seen yet um yes the new one yeah um and this is interesting like first so first they said it was gonna be a remake and i was like oh i don't know about that but when they said it was gonna be a sequel i was like oh ho <laughs> that could be interesting. Like, will they get the cast back? Because that's a big thing for me. If they get the cast back, that's huge. If not, they're going to have to cast some really good actors yeah. to take over. Because Cage and Travolta is an all-time great pairing. Yes. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, Face Off is a fantastic movie. It's just yeah. so fucking fun. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with it. Right. I'm very, I'm intrigued. I like Adam Wingard, so uh, you know, I'm willing to give him, give him a shot for it, at the very least. Absolutely. So yes, my bloody Valentine. Um, um, yes. Um, what are you drinking tonight? <laughs> oh well, I'm just drinking some Coors Banquet. Mm. I thought because of the abundance of cheap beer in the first movie, huge amount of cheap beer that. That would be the appropriate thing. If I could have gotten some Moosehead, I absolutely would yeah. because oh boy, is there a lot of Moosehead in this movie? They, they name drop Moosehead a lot. They just keep <laughs> keep letting us know they're drinking Moosehead. Seriously, uh, if we had to set a drinking rule for this movie, I'd just say drink every time you see the Moosehead logo or somebody, or somebody mentions, mention, yeah, mentioning Moosehead or yeah. somebody's drinking a Moosehead. Yeah. You'll definitely get plenty drunk by the end. <laughs> Yeah, and the drinking rule for the remake is drink every time there's gratuitous 3D. Um, oh my but, god, yes. <laughs> um, well, I am drinking not that. Um, I decided to go <laughs> towards the more Valentine's route, and I made a punch. Mm-hmm. 
And it's literally Ooh. like, and so like I have, it's not quite a pitcher, but it's like a large jar of punch. Um, and it's like a citrusy, grapefruity, cranberry punch topped with Sprite and it's bright pink in color. Um, so I, I made a That's Valentine's fun. punch um, and I did yeah. make the recipe myself. So I'm pretty proud of it. Um, it's quite All good. Right. Um, it's very pink. It's much and I, more... I am calling it my bloody Valentine. So <laughs> high, much more high effort than I am tonight. Well, it wasn't yeah. that hard. I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> the punches are easy. You just pour some stuff into a thing and then at the end you top it with the bubbles, you know, pour so. stuff in until you can stomach the taste. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit on the so, sweet side, but it's fine. So my bloody Valentine, I feel like this is the perfect companion piece to our uh, Black Christmas series here. Yes, because once again we have a like an OG slasher film, and it's two thousands remake, and like the two of them mirror each other so much in in terms of like the way that things changed in the remake. Um, mm. The remake isn't quite as crazy as the Black Christmas remake, which is really one of the most bonkers uh, <laughs> horror remakes. film remakes I've yeah. ever seen. But there's some crazy elements. It, it, you can definitely see where they step things up in a similar way. You can tell that the remake is like in dialogue with the first one in a different way than the Black Christmas remake was with the, the original. Um and it definitely doesn't go as off the rails, but it does go a bit off the rails. It gets a little weird, so. <laughs> yeah. So, My Bloody Valentine, the original, came out in 1981. It's a Canadian mm. movie. Okay. Similar, just like Black Christmas. Um, and so, uh, coming out in 1981, it's still in the very early stages of uh, slasher genre. Uh, just a couple years after Halloween, um about I guess seven years after Black Christmas, but still like pre uh, pre all the all the sequels and the the offshoots of like the the genericization of uh, the slasher genre, right? So this it's still you can already see it starting to draw off of tropes of previous movies. It definitely bears some semblance to Halloween and a lot more in my mind, to Black Christmas. But um, it's got its own things going on as well. Yes. Uh, and then the remake came out in 2009. Um, it is a the first R-rated 3D movie of, like, the real D generation of 3D. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it really does have a... a- big place in that like wave of like 3d that happened in the like late 2000s and 2010s Um, yeah especially Uh, in the the horror branch of it you know um right there's there's only there's a select few of those horror movies that came out in 3d and and this was early in the stage of those and it seems that these horror movie 3d waves really do happen in waves right like you know, there was like an '80s wave of of horror that was 3D with like the Friday the Thirteenth 3D remake and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Not remake, sorry. Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth 3D sequel that happened. Um, like the Jaw. There's like a Jaws one. Um, like there's like just like back, all of this. What? Back when the technology was different. Exactly, you know, and then the, there, it like dies down for a while, and then it like comes back. 
Um, <laughs> and My Bloody Valentine was like a very loud example of, and now we're doing 3D again for a little while. Um, <laughs> it's wild to think about like how crazy the late 2000s and early to mid 2010s were with 3D movies. Like they were so omnipresent like yeah. every major film also had a 3d release mm -hmm. they were, like 3d tvs were a thing and yes. like that it's it's crazy how quickly that went away because like at the time it was like no this time it's here to stay because this time it's digital and you can watch it in your home and like it, it's not gonna go away this time but already in 2021 i feel like there's not a lot of demand for 3D anymore. Okay, let's be real. There's not a lot of demand for a lot of things you have to watch in a theater anymore. But um, well, but this this you could have watched at home. That's the thing. But it's but not okay. Okay, so I think if we're gonna talk about 3D right now, watching at home is not as enjoyable. There, it's just like I do not want to have to wait. Okay. As a glasses wearer, I don't want to have to fucking wear a pair of plastic paper glasses. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do that um, at home when I'm watching a movie. I don't even really want to do that in a theater, but I might do it in a theater because they give you nicer glasses that are more comfortable than those paper glasses that you get if you're going to watch them at home. Oh, but um, the ones at home, no, like, it, I mean, it depends what system you're using, but some of the ones at home are pretty nice. If you get the ones like that, like, the, come with the TV and, like, the Sony like, ones that yeah. come with the TV are, like, um, expensive and, like, but who really had, like, nice. I'm a working millennial in New York City. I can't fucking afford that. But, like, um, the working class does not approve of 3D television. Yeah. Um, come on. And it's way expensive, even if you're just going to see a 3D movie in theaters. But, like, it's not worth it. In terms of the investment, because like, I don't need to see, I really don't need to see Tom Atkins's jaw fly at me when I'm watching a movie. I don't need it. It doesn't need to come directly at my face, you know? You know what? Like, if the only thing I need to see Tom Atkinson doing in 3D is housing those beers like he does in Halloween 3. <laughs> um, you're right. There, you know, there are things I could see. You know what? There are things I would like to see from Tom Atkins in 3D. Maybe not in 2009, but in, um, <laughs> and like, I'll tell you one thing. His jaw being separated from his body is not one of them. And so, like, I just, like, don't, I don't need it. I, I, you know, it's not, it does not enhance the movie experience for me other than now, 12 years later, laughing at it, you know? Um, and also saying 12 years later about a movie that came out in 2009 just made me want to shrivel up and die. So, Hey, we're all, <laughs> we're all one foot in the grave now. Yeah, um, so, um, yeah. hello, this is buzzed on movies with your ghost hosts. <laughs> the, <laughs> um, the late millennials. Oh, um, yeah, uh, so that's where I stand on 3D. It's just that most movies, so, like, most movies are just like, okay, you know what, we'll release this in 3D, so we'll have some things fly at the camera and then make it 3D afterwards. Um, most movies do not shoot in 3D. They do not shoot in 3D, and so it looks very hokey and annoying the whole time. Right. Um, there are movies that did not do this, and they thought they would, like, change the world. I'm looking at you, fucking Avatar. And guess what? We haven't even gotten a sequel to you in fucking 
however God knows how long. Um, so get fucked, I guess. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's weird. I can't think of the last time I saw a 3D movie, but it's kind of inconsistent. Like there have been ones that I think I saw the shot. new Mary Poppins in 3D. What? <laughs> oh my god! So, actually, like, come to think of it, probably one of the most recent ones I saw in 3D was when I went to see one of those 4DX movies. I can't remember which one, but one of them was in 3D. Yeah, it might have been sense. Hellboy. Um, <laughs> you sure it wasn't ones... Mary Poppins? <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins in 4DX. Um, let me tell you, 40X is is legitimately fun. Um, yeah, with all of that happening, that's, that's a fun different. application yeah. of 3D. Yeah, but most of the um, time it's just like, okay, so like a fucking spatula fl- flew at me. I can go ride the SpongeBob ride at King's Dominion for that. <laughs> like, I don't need to see. I just it just like is so annoying, and it's so like. I think the problem for me is that it's really condescending to the audience. It's like, this will make you come see the movie, right? It's like, I can pay attention without this. Like, well, and it, <laughs> and it really, I mean, it really shows itself, like, how how they try to, like, shoehorn it in when you watch the movie not in 3D. Like, yes, <laughs> I feel like it's a very similar experience to what we've had recently watching Saw 7 or Saw 3D, the final chapter. Yes. Um, where you see, like, so many things, like, it's clear that they changed the framing and everything specifically to make it like look good in 3d but then when you watch it in 2d it's like why are we seeing it like this and like if you hadn't told me that this movie was filmed for 3d and i just watched it i would have been like oh okay this is a 3d movie at some point right it's so obvious and they do it so many times yes and like i i can only imagine what it looked like in 3d it i feel like it probably looked pretty good um, um, but I can't tell. I can definitely tell you it looks forced. Well, let me tell um, you. You know what? I'll I have some answers for you. So, okay. <laughs> I saw this movie in 3D when I saw it for the first time. Um, oh, yes. Uh, I did not see it in theaters though. So we're slightly digressing from our our thing. But I did watch it on my high school crush's couch. Um, he was there with his significant other and also the guy he was sort of hooking up with. Um, his significant other was not a guy, was a woman. Um, so it was a very interesting first viewing experience for this movie where I was there. Uh, very strange dynamic here. It was extremely strange because let me tell you the one. I'm trying to pick who I ship in this scenario. The one person who did not receive any sexual interest from the other three on the couch was me. Um, and so, um, <laughs> but somehow I was Oof. present. Um, and so Oof size large. Uh, yeah. Um, but you know, the one person who did have some interest in probably all three of the people on the couch was also me. Um, you win some, <laughs> you lose some. Um, I lost the bisexual a lot. curse, the bisexual curse. Um, so I, uh, that was my first viewing experience of it, and it was like, hey, do you want to come over and watch my bloody Valentine? I have four sets of glasses, and we need to use the fourth. And, well, so I said yes. You know what? I did not use respect... Use the fourth, Luke. I did not respect myself. Let's be clear on that one. Mm. 
Um, but I did it, and that's how I first watched My Bloody Valentine 2009 in 3D. Um, With was 3D TV. On a, yeah. Uh, it w- and, and it was actually fun in 3D, and so that's why I have a very fond memory of this movie um, and sort of have always liked it just because, like, it was actually a fun viewing experience. It was, it was very nostalgic for me for that reason. Um, however... It was also, I mean, watch it. I, I do not think that it was the same as if I'd seen it on a big screen in 3D. I always feel like it's different on a TV versus on a big screen. Absolutely. It, Especially so. in 3D because, yeah. I mean, so much of the, the imagery becomes so much more important. Yes. And so, like, talking about when, 3D. When 3D on a smaller screen, when it pops out, it's much more noticeable that it's not real. So it's just sort of like, it's just like, it's it can be kind of distracting. Um, yeah. So. It's different when the image like surrounds you when you're able to get like I feel like when if you see 3D in a theater there's like an optimal viewing distance if you sit like a few rows back so the image like surrounds you but you can still see all the corners that's yeah. like the best view of 3D it's not really possible to replicate that in your home unless you actually have like a room size screen yeah you'd have to have like a home theater and so um most people don't have that and if you do have that fuck you i don't know what to tell you um <laughs> if you if you do have that give it to me yeah <laughs> give me I that i want that um, <laughs> i want so, that give me that um but yeah so that was my first viewing experience and it's you know so the movie has always stuck with me because of that but i do think i can speak to the original 3d experience and i do actually think it worked in some ways and like I also want to be clear that I think the movie is trying to be a little bit ridiculous for a lot of it. Um, and so I, oh, yeah. I think that it's, it's the movie is totally content with the fact that the 3d is gratuitous and over the top half the time, because the movie is okay with being gratuitous and over the top in and of itself. Um, there's a scene in this movie where a woman runs around naked in a public parking lot. Like, for no other reason than just because she wants to be Nate. I'd like, she could have put on a robe or a shirt. You have or to get anything. that R rating. Somehow. Yeah. Uh, but she just, well, runs, she just walks out there in high heels, butt ass naked. And I'm like, all right, we're just doing it now. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, the, the, the set, the, the remake is nothing if not gratuitous. Yeah. In many, it's in many, extremely many gratuitous. It's it, yeah. Um, which is, I, I want to be clear, I think the remake is a better movie. And so I will stand by that and I defend that position. Oh. Um, but it is extremely gratuitous and I think it knows it's gratuitous. It's like, <laughs> this is, you know, we're doing this. This woman is naked for no reason, but also in high heels. Um, why not? The, the killer makes no sense half the time. Like, how how is this killer getting from place to place when we just saw... The person we learned to be the killer in another place a few seconds ago. How? I don't know. Who needs to ask questions? Um, so, it's a it's an interesting movie, and I like that about it because it's so silly. It's ridiculous. Um, it is. I mean, both movies are kind of absurd in their own way. Yes. Um, but I think the first one took itself a bit more seriously. Um, yeah. Which is not to say yeah. the the remake does not suffer from taking itself a bit too seriously at moments cuz it does. But like it definitely has a little more fun with itself and like it's like a little looser. The the original I think was like 
maybe we will actually scare some people and be a scary movie and be a classic someday. And it's like, well, probably not. But like, you know. I, it's it's managed to be a classic in some way. Some way. I do think it's underrated. I think that it's like often left out of certain conversations about slashers when it should not be left out. Um, but it's, you know, I do like the original. I like the original a lot. Um, yeah. The, the 2000s horror remakes are really like their own friggin' genre. Like, they are. You take like this one and Black Christmas and like House of Wax and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. They well, really, you also they get the, all... the Friday, the Nightmare, the Halloween <laughs> remakes. Oh, they yeah. all happen too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all have their own specific feel. There's even the Texas Chainsaw remake. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. Which is also another one that I think is really good. Though definitely not better than the original. The original Texas Chainsaw is superior. But um, These movies were like designed to appeal to like the goth and emo kids in high school. That's an interesting take. Um, I think that's right, but that does not apply to like Texas Chainsaw. Um, yeah. Which is like, yeah. you know, a movie that heavily features Leonard Skinner and like Jessica... <laughs> Jessica Biel is like constantly sweating. Um, yes. Like, <laughs> and like, and like I mean, who's skin- not into that? Well, I, in 2005, God knows we all were, but like, um, <laughs> you know, now we're all like, all right, you're who the girl with, that Justin Timberlake sang about that? for an entire album and subjected us to. So move on. Um, but mm. no offense. I actually liked those Justin Timberlake albums. I'm pretty sure. But like, you know, point taken. Um, but like, yes, otherwise they were literally designed for like the goth kids. And like, you can see that even in my bloody Valentine, the remake, like Jensen Ackles character is like designed to appeal to like, I'm a loner. I'm mm-hmm. a standoffish kind of guy. Um, and it's like, all right, we get it. Like, uh, you know, and it's so funny because when, okay, so this movie, the way, oh, I guess we're just going to sort of, it's going to be a free for all. Um, <laughs> The way this movie's set up is that, like, the the opening credits sort of play out this, like, incident in the mine, right? Um, where, like, there's a, an accident in the mine and a bunch of people are killed. And Harry Ward, is that his name? Harry Ward? Yes, um, Harry Ward. Harry Ward somehow survives, but, like, is very traumatized by it. And so a year later, he comes back, and that's sort of our Harry actual, Warden. Harry, Harry Warden. Warden, sorry. Harry Warden comes back, and that's our actual opening scene of the movie. And it's like... Mm-hmm. Jensen Ackles and Jamie King and Care Smith and Betsy Rue are all like hot teens going to party in the mines because like fucking okay. teens do that, I guess. All right. Um, so I wrote when I, when I watched this scene, I wrote down the CW presents cool coal miners. <laughs> that's literally, it's like that's literally like, like a mid 2000s CW show. Yeah, it literally like, is. That is exactly them. what it fucking feels like. Um, the only problem with that description is that Jensen Ackles is dressed like a fucking 45 year old father. Like he's in a, he's in like a puffy zip up vest with like a shirt buttoned, like a button down shirt tucked into his jeans beneath the vest and like a dad cap. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like you're supposed to be a high schooler right now. I think. Um, um, and like, not even like, I don't even think high schoolers on Cape Cod look like that. Like, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, um, and so they are all attacked by Harry, Harry Warden at this mine because 
when you go party in the the trauma mines, these are the things that happen to you. Um, <laughs> the trauma mines. Like, <laughs> that's, it's just like a weird thing to think about. Like, I know that times were different even in 2009 and especially in 1981, but I, I just like cannot imagine as a teenager being like, you know what would be cool? Let's go party in the mines. You know what? Mines, okay. are, mines are fucking dangerous. So, so at least like in, in the context of the town that they set up in both of these movies, maybe it makes sense. I think it makes more like sense in the first one than in the seat. Nothing to do in any of these towns. I, I think it makes more sense in the original where it's like everybody works in the mines too. Um, yeah. The, the remake that does not appear to be a concept. It does appear that like, you know, we have a, there's like a subplot in the remake where the, the Jensen Ackles character, who is Tom Hannigan is his name. He's like, maybe going to sell the mine. Like, and it's like this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so like, and that's sort of like speaking to where we were as a culture in 2009, where like mining is not really like a, a thing. Even, I mean, even in the eighties, that was sort of true, but it like, it was still very recently had been a thing for a lot of people, you know, if, if yeah, it's know. like, a, it's shutting down, yeah. like things are um, drying but up. By but 2009, it, it was like, that is not like a desirable career path to work in a mine. Like nobody. It's also <laughs> right, right in the heart of the financial crisis as yes, well. So yeah. That's notable. Um, and so, so that like it in the original, it's sort of like, of course these like our, our main characters are all like men who work in the mines and their girlfriends. I mean, that is like yes. literally our, our cast of characters yes. and well, and also a sheriff, but those are our characters. And so of course, like, the people who work in the mines are probably like, oh, yeah, let's go hang out on the mine territory. And when we get drunk, let's take the rail cars down into the mine because we're there every day and yeah, we're just fine. It's a normal thing to do when you're drunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will admit, if I were offered while drunk the chance to sit in a rail car to go down into a mine, I would probably say yes. I mean, also, it has extreme Donkey Kong Country vibes. So I'd be like, fuck yes. Let me get on that cart, ride down into the mine. <laughs> Do we have to jump some gaps in the <laughs> rails? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so. um, yeah, I feel like we really want to talk about the remake. Mm-hmm. But let's let's step back a bit and talk about the original so I feel like we have to we have to touch on this a bit. Yes. Um, so the the nineteen eighty one film, My Bloody Valentine, takes place in a Canadian mining town. Yes. Where um, you know it's set, I get set in nineteen eighty one, where twenty years previously there was some big mining disaster where like. Um, it was like they they forgot to vent off the um, the dangerous gases, so there was an explosion underground, and five miners got trapped. And then, um, when they go to dig them out later, it turns out that one of them is still alive. It's Harry Warden, and he's survived by through like cannibalism, eating the other miners. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, and that's a true and, story. But <laughs> and then, I guess, like in the movie, did like did does he end up in a mental ward at that point? Like he was in a mental ward for a while, and then they let him out. And then, like one year later, he comes back and he kills the people responsible. 
yeah. for uh for the accident basically like the, the yeah it's, that's sort of how it is yeah it's kind of like it's kind of convoluted in comparison to most like horror backstories where it's just like somebody snapped they killed people and now they come back years later and this one it's the like remake the remake is like much more meticulous about setting out exactly what yeah. happened but it really is like this guy harry warden was like wronged like you know coal mining conditions were unsafe and so he was left in a bad situation. And so he comes back and he exacts revenge on the people who put him in that situation where he had to become a cannibal and had to be traumatized. Um, so th- yeah. that is sort of the plot of this movie. And so then after he does that, he is once again taken to a mental institution. And the legend that we hear over and over and over throughout the movie or alluded to is that every Valentine's Day... He's ready if the town of Valentine Bluffs, which is the the name of the town in the movie, t- Valentine Bluffs, um, if they <laughs> celebrate Valentine's Day, he will come back and kill people. And he didn't just kill people the first time. He literally, like, ripped out their hearts. Um, yeah. He, like, he ripped out their hearts and, like, leaves them in a... Uh, a Valentine like candy a, chocolate box. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um... I also I really like the the flashback sections where they show what happened at that one year anniversary, <laughs> like <laughs> which I, I guess would would have been like in the sixties. Like they're showing like a like a sixties party, uh, like Valentine's dance and like the the, the bloody uh, Valentine heart there at the uh, at the dance and everything. Right. It's very, it, it feels like very weird and like it, they filmed it really strangely. So it feels like kind of otherworldly. Right. Um, I can't, I can't nail down exactly what it feels like, but it's like, it's got sort of a dreamlike feel to it. Um, I like those flashbacks. And um, so, yeah, so like that's the, the legend is that like, we can't celebrate Valentine's day in this town because Harry Warden will come back and that then, like, this year where, where the movie is set, that, like, it's the first time they've decided, hey, we're going to have a Valentine's Day dance this time. Yeah. Um, and stuff starts going awry. <laughs> sure does. I mean, I, uh, you know what? You know what I can't believe? I can't believe that they stopped having Valentine's dances after this one incident. Um, I mean, I guess it was two incidents, but like we have thousands of people dying every day and people can't like, just like not have a party. So like, I, I don't really know. That, <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Um, I mean, how do you, well, basically this is the story of how you can't stop people from throwing a party, even if they might die. Yeah. Um, and I guess, it, so, I, I guess it was sort of like a trend to be like. When towns experience a trauma, they will stop the holiday altogether on which the trauma happened. Footloose. Um, yeah. But well, I mean, Halloween, Halloween. too. But like that, uh, we have learned. the later If sequels. 2020 and 21 taught us anything, it's that, that is actually not how humans will react to traumatic experiences. <laughs> People will like, just say the trauma didn't happen. Um, they're like, so. well, it's my God-given rights to keep celebrating this yeah. holiday. Um, so... I mean, I would honestly not want to celebrate Valentine's Day either if on the first Valentine's Day a bunch of people died in the coal mines and somebody started eating them. And then a year later to the day, some guy ripped out people's hearts and, you know, 
but whatever. That's just me. Um, in this movie, the kids are like, we are going to have a party no matter goddamn what. You know what? We are going to do this. I don't care that all of a sudden people are dying and being left in washing machines and their hearts are being ripped out. We are going to have a party. However, however, I will say that the kids do not learn all of the details of the ongoing murders before they decide to have the party, right? So the, right. the plot of this movie is that there's a dance being set up for Valentine's Day, which is very quaint, first of all. I've never, like, lived in a place where it's like, we're just going to have a dance just for fun. Like, dances are usually reserved for middle and high school functions. So when it's like, this is like a whole town dance, I'm like, what does that mean? I like these kids are like they're so dedicated to this dance. Yeah. I'm like, are you like 16? Like they have <laughs> never grown up because they are all emotionally stunted by the toxic fumes of working in a coal mine. Um, oh no. Um, so I I don't re I really don't know. It just like is a very weird thing that it's like I I think we're supposed to think they're all like in their mid to upper 20s, but like because if you think about it. Our, one of our main characters, TJ, in this movie, um, who is the the, the Jensen Ackles character in the remake, so Tim in the remake, but in this one, TJ, um, he is, like, he'd been on the West Coast for, like, years, you know? Um, yeah. They have to be adults at this point, and so, like, it's sort of like this really weird, like, thing where it's like, oh, and we're going to have this dance. We're all obsessed with this dance. And it's like, this is, like, kind of sad, and I don't really know what we're supposed to make of it. Like, I don't know if the movie thinks it's as sad as it, like, obviously is. Or if the movie thinks it's, like, a normal thing for these characters to be into this. Because, like, I'm just saying that by the time I was 25 or 26, if somebody was like, how do you feel about having a dance? I'd be like, that's fine. But, like, if it doesn't happen, like, that's also <laughs> fine. I won't, so. I won't be, like, totally torn up. Like, I totally go. I go to one. But, like, it wouldn't, like... If people started dying, I'd be like, yeah, let's shut that down. Like, I don't know. I mean, no it offense. doesn't it uh. doesn't feel like there's a lot to do in this town. But at the same time, um, they live out like their town has is called bluffs. All I'm going to say is that that means there's like a body of water nearby. Go get drunk on the beach. Like, go <laughs> do that. Um, so. But yeah, continue. Well, this, I mean, I, I feel like this movie actually kind of makes living in a mining town seem kind of fun. Oh, absolutely, like that was, yeah. That was one of the first things I wrote down is that, like, they they show them, like, running out of the mines. They're all, like, clowning around. They're racing to get into town to drive down to the bars and then just start drinking there and horsing around, whatever. It just seems like they're having a good time. Yeah. And I have to say... This is probably the only movie I've ever seen where there's people who mine for a living depicted as having any sort of fun doing it. That's true, yeah. <laughs> like, like the like October Sky or something oh, God, like that. Yeah. It's like it's just like a very grim view of working in a mine. In this movie it seems like, you know, people are for the most part doing all right with it. You know, there's the the one character who's working in the mine who doesn't really want to be. He tried to move out to the West Coast and couldn't hack it, so now he's back to work in the mine. Yeah, and he's, he's the, kind, the movie kind of presents him as like a a negative for a lot of the runtime as as like the outsider who doesn't want to like be in the mining town. Like it's sort of like yeah. shouldn't we scoff at this? Like why is he like this? Um, 
which is an interesting choice. Also notable, nobody coughs, I think, in the whole movie. There's like not a single cough. So seems wrong. <laughs> um, at least one person there is like already dying. So um, <laughs> oh, no. obviously I have strong feelings about working in a coal mine. Um, but <laughs> um, I mean, it ain't great. It's not good. Uh, it's sure. not good for you. So it's just like not a good time. Um, it's not good for you. It's not good for the earth. Um, but yeah, so it's like, you know, it, it, it does make it seem like it's like this quaint, like fun thing where like everybody wants to work in the coal mine and everybody does. And like weird, that's a weird thing that we're doing. It's a weird thing that's happening in this movie. Um, and I agree that that doesn't happen in like any, I mean, that doesn't even happen in the remake of this movie. Really? It seems like a terrible place to live in the remake. Um, oh yeah. It's much grimmer <laughs> in the remake. So, too. um, like in the original, though, it, it really does feel like it's like, a, I mean, I kept thinking I would want to live in this town, except for the fact that the bloody miner would come get me. Like, right. Um, Otherwise, everybody's just, they go to work in the mines. And, and then at night, they just drink. Everybody drinks excessively every night. Like They all hang up. They all hang out at the same bar and like. Well, yeah, because the town the has approximately 100 people in it. So like mm-hmm. they all hang out at the same bar. Um Although it is one of the, like, it's just such an interesting town in the movie. Like, they have one bar. They have, like, what, there's, like, one laundry place. Like, what's going on in this town? There's, like, two cops in the entire town. Like, (laughs) um, okay. Like, um, everybody's so nice. Like, there's a character called Miss Mabel. What? Nobody's actually ever been named Miss Mabel. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um... (laughs) I mean, I say that, and we have a Miss Mabel who's, like, a regular listener, I'm sure. So, apologies to our Miss Mabel regular <laughs> listener. Um, but, like... Of course. Nobody has actually been named that. Like, and if you are, and you also own a laundromat, God, please let us know. But, like... Um, <laughs> Shoot us an email. And also, Buzz watch out every Valentine's Day. Um, sorry. Oh, but, yes. Um, <laughs> The lady who runs the laundromat uh, sure gets got in this. I think that that's an interesting scene, too, um, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they managed to fit the the moosehead beer into the scene, despite the fact that it takes place at a laundromat. (laughs) There's just like a case of moosehead beer sitting in a laundromat there. But then also... You get to see the miner like sneak in and leave the um, the heart and then hide off in the corner before Miss Mabel comes out yes. to read the note, which tells her like you're gonna die now, and then he attacks. But it's like it's an interesting way to frame it because like after you see him hide, you know that entire time like she's about to get attacked. So it's like the opposite of your normal jump scare where he just comes out of nowhere. It's like it's built up the entire time. Yeah. You know this is coming. Um, So it's just like it's super suspenseful, the entire scene. I agree. Um, It's also upsetting because it's like she's like a sweet character. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. uh, You know, a lot of... um, I will say that this... Yeah, I mean, this was pretty early in the horror horror world. Um, A common tactic in horror especially slashers is to make most of the characters maybe not totally unlikable but like you don't they're not people you'd want to hang out with or have in your life most of the time you know they're Mm -hmm. like 
they're like liars. They are cheaters. They're, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this movie, I would say most of the characters seem pretty fine. Like they seem like people I would not have a problem having in my life. Um, with some exceptions, and most of those exceptions are, like, the people the movie wants you to suspect are the killer. So, you know, those exceptions are allowed. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but, like, even, like, like the sheriff seems like a good guy. Miss Mabel seems like a great, great lady. She seems very sweet. Um, <laughs> the mayor mm-hmm. seems perfectly nice. The teen couples, even the ones who do actually have sex, seem <laughs> to actually care about one another and be good people. Like... That's not common in teen slashers. Like, um, most of the time, like, even the couples who have sex, it's like, the guy is like, I want to have sex. And the girl's like, no, wait, we shouldn't. Okay, maybe. Um, In this movie, (laughs) it seems like they all want it. They're all, like, into one another. And it's like... They're all just hanging out, having a good time. Yeah, these are people just, like, living their life. They're not trying, like, they're not really doing anything quote-unquote wrong even by typical horror standards of the 80s where wrong could mean they're 19 and happened to have sex um which you know is not actually a wrong thing but in horror for a while it was um like Mm -hmm. so it's just like it's an interesting choice where it's like i didn't I wasn't necessarily like watching this movie like feeling sad for every murder because the characters weren't that deep, but they also weren't like so bad that I was like, "Yeah, get them!" Like, <laughs> um, which is right. obviously the case in some a lot of slashers where it's like, "Yeah, please get this guy." Like, this guy needs to go. Um, <laughs> that wasn't happening here, and that does sort of happen in some of the remakes. So, right, there was like one guy that was like the kind of obnoxious comedic relief in this movie who was like ah, i don't really care that, that guy got killed but other than that it was like yeah you know there's there's no reason that i would want any of these characters dead right <laughs> not that um, i generally want people dead but like no movie characters you know like a lot of slashers are literally built around the premise that there are a few characters where you're like i'm gonna root for that death like Right. A lot of slashers are built that way. This was not built that way. Um, yeah. This was a bit before slashers were all built that way, but I mean, Friday the 13th had come out and I would argue that Friday the 13th has some characters where you're sort of like, all right, that's fine. Like, so. Yeah. That's when the formula started getting solidified, but things are still kind of loose here. Right. Um, it's a little different. Um, this town is so apparently they haven't celebrated Valentine's Day for 20 years, but this year they're absolutely nuts over Valentine's yeah. Day. I honestly would leave like, town if I lived somewhere yeah. that did that for Valentine's Day. Um. I mean, like there's decorations in the streets, in the like in every bar, in the laundromat, like everywhere. They're just like yeah. it's Valentine's. Like I. I Generally, when you go around, you don't see a lot of Valentine's Day yeah. decorations. It's Look, just not that big a holiday. It's not. I gotta say, their town is called Valentine Bluffs, so like, I get it. Um, I also like. I will be the first to admit, I'm scoffing at it right now. I'm saying all of these negative things about it. I would 100% be going full ham for Valentine's Day if I lived in this town, and I know it. I know this about myself, but I'm still gonna make fun of them for it. Um, 
So because I'm like I like I love holidays and you know if I live somewhere where the holiday is a big deal I will like get all in on it. That's fine um, because I just really enjoy them. I think it's very fun. Um, but I got to say that right now the thought of walking around and seeing like just like banners of hearts everywhere and like frilly hearts hanging from every street lamp and everything, I want to scream. That's like a terrible concept to me. So. I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they would want to like, it's not even like, like it's so interesting. Cause they're just like obsessed with celebrating Valentine's day. Cause of their name, obviously. But like, it's not like they're running around. Like, I don't know. Like I don't get the impression that everybody's like, Oh, we've got to celebrate true love. Like that, <laughs> I don't hear many no, people yeah. talking about that. So they're not talking about like the meaning of Valentine's Day. They're just like they want a reason to party. I guess I don't know. Right. I mean, um, and for that, respect. I will say, respect. Yeah. So anyway, like after the first couple people get killed by the miner showing up and killing people, including that woman at the laundromat, and they cancel the Valentine's Day dance. Um, which bums out all the, uh, the youngins who are like planning on partying. And then they're, they're at the bar and they're, they're talking and the, like the bartender there is like the most excellent example of the harbinger in horror movie history. <laughs> like he's just like, he's talking about. Uh, like the legend, the legend Harry of Harry Warden and like every time he starts talking about like the cameras like dollying in on him <laughs> and, and he's just like yes that Valentine's Day night they the miners didn't know what was going to come like he's just like talking to him and then it'll like cut around and just show everyone else in the bar just like drinking and hanging out and he's just there being like and since that day there's not been a valentine celebration here <laughs> <laughs> oh my god this guy is so dramatic but he's so good like yeah He's so over the top. And he's like trying to warn the kids in the bar. And they're like scoffing it. And they're like, oh, come on, old man. Yes. Like, that's just a silly legend. And they're like, we're going to we're gonna have a party because they canceled that dance. Yes. So yeah. they've decided they're going to throw their own Valentine celebration. Right. There, there are a few instances with him at the bar. Um, he tells the legend and then like. He, like, tries to discourage them from having their, like, side party at the bar once the dance... Is, or at the mines once the, the dance is canceled. Mm. Um, they just, like, do not listen and they don't care. And I can't blame them. I mean, he seems really legit insane um, th- for a lot of his his uh, storytelling. So mm. I can't say that it would get to me either. Um, or, if anything, it would actually probably make me want to go have the party more because I'd be like, oh, yeah, spooky. Um, so I also love that their idea of where to throw a party is like, let's throw a party at the mine, you know? Well, it's worth noting everybody works. So where everybody works, but it's worth noting that, um, one of the main characters has access to like the buildings on the mine property because of his family. Right. Um, yes. TJ, the guy who went away to the West coast to try to escape the mines, but had to return. Um, he, his family owns the mines. And so, he has access to like, you know, the, the different buildings on the property. So it's, it's a good place for them to have a party because it's a, it's not somebody's house. It's big and he, they can actually get into the buildings. Um, so 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause presumably this is Canada in February. So it's fucking cold. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So. Also worth noting. There is a, like a fraught love triangle between TJ and Axel and, uh, the, the girl that they've both gone out with Sarah. Sarah. Um, yes. And so th- this is a, this is a key plot point in the movie. Um, and I would say that, yeah, that it's it's a key driver and it's a key way that the movie tries to frame multiple different characters as potential potentially the killer um, uh, through at different points in the movie. Um, that yes. TJ and Axel appear to have at one point been very good friends. Um, however, once TJ left town. Nobody was friends with him anymore. Uh, and TJ had had a thing with Sarah, but when he returns, Sarah has a thing with Axel and TJ still wants Sarah. And now it's his whole thing. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, it's just like, it's, it's, I mean, it really is very CW drama. Um, so, and this is before the, the CW obviously, cause this was 81. Um, but it's very dramatic. <laughs> um, they, Axel and TJ like freeze CW. I like when Axel and TJ like get into a fight, but like they get into a fight by Axel is sitting in an abandoned car in a car junkyard, which is already like, we're just hanging out in the car junkyard tonight. Um, (laughs) And so that whole scene when they're hanging out in the car junkyard and there's like, there's one of those fake jump scares where somebody is like, you're getting like a POV shot. Uh, coming around the corner of the junked out car that TJ's hanging out oh, at, yeah. and the guy's arm thrusts forward, but it's handing him a bottle of bourbon. Yes. Um, <laughs> like, it's like, Da-da! oh, here, have a drink. <laughs> I will say that there are times where somebody giving me more bourbon is actually a scare, and <laughs> I should not accept it, oh, and, no! I, and I then do. So sometimes, <laughs> sometimes... This is realistic. Um, there might be a real world thematic uh, relevance to this scene. Um, but like they, they're like, that happens. And Axel is like sitting in the car, like, and TJ's like, um, uh, can I join? Um, and they like literally just like start playing the harmonica together. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, <laughs> um, nobody knows the yes. trouble I'm seeing. It's really like, okay. Um, I don't know what goes on up in Canada, but can we talk? Um, I gotta say, like, aside from the whole killings and all that, this movie is an absolute hang. Yeah. Like, there's just so many, so, like, casual scenes of dudes just hanging out. It's a real dude's rot kind of movie. There's that, like, in that same junkyard scene, they're, like, grilling hot dogs on a car engine. Which, like, <laughs> why the fuck not? Like, <laughs> it's like... There's just so many scenes that are just like, oh, yeah, let's, we'll hang out, we'll have a cookout, we'll have a couple drinks, it'll be fun. <laughs> it only goes wrong when they try to do shit on um, Valentine's God, Day. could you imagine if you lived in, like, the perfect small town like that, and the only rule was we can't celebrate Valentine's Day, and you still <laughs> managed to fuck it up? Because, like, if right? the only rule I was given was don't celebrate Valentine's Day, I'd be like, thank God, holla fucking Louia. Like, okay. I'd be like, all right, guess I'm staying in tonight. Like, I can celebrate every other holiday or any other day of the year, but not Valentine's Day. And I get to live in this awesome town with this awesome bar and, like, the junkyard where we can all go hang out in and grill hot dogs for some reason. 
Like, like I don't even know if it's legal to be on that property. Is it? Like, probably not. <laughs> but like, you all do it, and that's fine. How nobody's, did they even get in there? No, nobody's getting sick <laughs> from the coal mines. Like, this is all perfect. You live in the ideal town. Your only rule is don't fucking do the Valentine's Day thing, <laughs> and you still fuck it up and get your hearts ripped out. Like, that's your fault. Right. Like in Halloween, I mean. You have to give up Halloween. That's a big so, deal. You should move away if you live in a town that demands sacrifice. that you do that. Like, if you live in a town that demands you give up Halloween, Christmas, Easter, or Thanksgiving, you can move away. That's fine. Um, if you live in a town that demands you give up Valentine's Day, fine. Like, it's Valentine's Day. It's a fake holiday. If you need Would hate. If you need one day to tell people that you love them, like you, you're the problem. You are the problem <laughs> if you if you require one day for that. So I would hate to live in the Arbor Day town. Um, that was just a true tragedy. I do actually really like trees. Um, <laughs> I also collect flags. So if you, if I lived in the Flag Day town, that the might be a problem. Um, um, no flags may be flown in this town. Um, um, even like 4th of <laughs> July town, I don't really want to live in because like, I really like a day where I can just hang out and grill hot dogs outside for a whole day. It's like, a fun holiday. Yeah. Um, I don't really want to celebrate, you know, um, but party. like, <laughs> um, yeah, but like, so, yeah, I, I mean, could get Valentine's day is the one holiday I'm willing to give up. Like, well, no, there's no parties for Valentine's New Year's day. day yeah. If you ask me to give up new years, I will give it up. But but New Year's Eve? Yes, though? I don't like New Year's Eve. I don't do New Year's New Eve. New Year's Eve? Oh, yeah. come on. New Year's uh, Eve can be fun. Has there even been... Wait, where the fuck is my New Year's Eve horror movie? All right, it's time we direct a movie. We've got to get We've got to get on some shit. <laughs> we, um, we, there is a New Year's Eve... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Gary Marshall movie. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, like, are you talking like, about the... Is that the one that I watched? The one, the the same one that made Valentine's Day. Yes, yes, Day yeah. I wa- That was the last movie I watched in 2020. Listen, um, <laughs> well, yes, it was, it was. Um, so yeah, I know, I know, I know that movie exists. Um, that and that is sort of a horror movie. Um, <laughs> in its own way. In its own way, that's um, a horror film. But yes, uh, I think it says a lot about us that we. In, in this time of coronavirus, we just want to move to this small Canadian town and hang out and grill meats on a car engine and drink bourbon in a junkyard. Um, and drink but not celebrate. We want to drink the moose yeah, head. And drink moose head nonstop, I swear. They must have had some sort of like corporate sponsorship for this because Moosehead just like the beer there like are we are we Moosehead sure? I mean it is a Canadian brewery yeah um so I don't I don't know how prevalent it actually is it like, might be very accurate it might not I mean I'm thinking it's just like um, the Budweiser of Canada at the time you know could be yeah like in, 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 um, if it were an American movie they just show people drinking Bud or fucking I mean I definitely think it's very accurate that whatever if you're living in a small town like this there's only like one beer that you can drink so God, that's the fucking that dream seems... you know what i don't have to be i don't have to deal with like decision like nightmares every time i go to the store where i'm like oh do i want like a good beer that i can log on untapped as a new beer and enjoy <laughs> just 
Or do just I just want to login Bud Light? Jesus fucking Christ. Just every login to untap just like another Moosehead. Could you imagine? Moosehead. <laughs> You've had this beer 5,000 times. And oh, okay. Last time I had this beer, I gave it four stars. This time I'm thinking it's one star. Next time I'll probably give it five. Let's be real. If you're drunk enough, it's a five star. Um Man. So yeah. So a- anyway, this this town, other than the murders, is really fun. Yeah. Other than uh, the murders, just hanging out. Admittedly, the time. murders are a big deal. Um, yes, the murders are pretty pretty prom. Oh yes, the murders. <laughs> <laughs> like um, it's like that that meme of the Aurora movie shooter. It's like, yes. why am I here? Oh yes, the murders. Oh, yes, the murders. <laughs> um, um, it's worth noting that the teens are the teens. I'm gonna call them the teens. They're not teens. They're clearly like twenty five, yeah. but they yes. are not alerted to the the true scope of the murders. Like, and this is a. Well, very, I think, of, I think part of it, like it, it's very crucial in this movie that the murders took place like twenty years ago. So everyone who's here was like a kid when that happened and has no context. Well, no, okay, no, no, no. Happened. Sorry, yes, that is crucial. But I mean, once they start reoccurring, um. You know, everybody finds out about what uh, Miss Mabel, um, but there are like <laughs> there are other incidents that are happening, and like the sheriff is like finding hearts in boxes, but the sheriff is intentionally keeping that information from the public because he doesn't want to cause a panic. He's just like, "Oh, Miss Mabel died, so we're gonna cancel the dance because that's just she was helping plan it." But like, yeah. I think that maybe if you told these mid to upper twenty somethings that. By the way, she was killed, and also I've started getting human hearts delivered to me in boxes <laughs> telling me not to have a Valentine's celebration. I think actually they would have understood. Like, I think they would have said, you know what? You're right, because that seems like an actual, that's a present threat. That's a that's clear a and present that's... danger to our livelihood, and we will also <laughs> not do the the dance. You're right. Um, but instead, they tell the public that Miss Mabel had a heart attack and just died of that. And don't tell them about the hearts that are being found in boxes. And so people think, well, she had a heart attack. Why can't we still have a party? Like, that's sad. But, like, we have to go on with our lives. Which, by the way, is a very normal line of thinking for people in their 20s. And so right. I I do think it's... it's I just, I have a problem with movies in the first place where it's like, sheriffs are like, we shouldn't tell people about the real danger that's here. It's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes, you should. Like, um, and you know what? Again, that's maybe a recency bias because we experienced that within the past year. But like, um, it's very annoying. Just tell the people what the danger is because if you don't, they're just, they're just going to act out. Like that's what, te- that's what 20 somethings are going to do. They're going to be like, well, there's not a real danger. She died of a heart attack. What? Who cares? Like, yeah. I mean, People, not who cares. That's sad. But like withholding information can be dangerous. Uh, yeah. Who knew that when people with positions of authority withhold information, it could cause real problems for the people below them that they serve. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Shocking news. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, all these kids go out to party at the mines. It's really like they're, they're partying like, at a moose lodge, honestly. They're like... Right. There's like this whole big rec room yeah. with a kitchen and everything right there at the mines. They're literally like, hey. boiling hot dogs at one point, which also leads yeah. to somebody's death. But like... I'm like, I'm, again, this seems like a pretty sweet time if like when you're at the mines, you just have this cool ass rec room with like a pool table and stuff. Yeah. And, like, of course, they're all partying there. They're all, like, sneaking off to other rooms to have sex and stuff. Um, but, yeah, there's the, the guy who goes into the kitchen and, like, sees the, the, the vat of boiling hot dogs. And, like, immediately you're like, oh, he's going to get his head stuck in there and he's going to get killed that way. <laughs> and, of course, that happens yes. because it's a slasher movie. Yes. I was just like, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh boy, like, you're dead. Could you imagine, like, <laughs> as you're dying that way, you're just like, I'm dying in hot dog water. Like, that's like... <laughs> like, oh, this water tastes gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's just like the worst fucking shit that could possibly happen to you. Um, oh, no. It's not even oil, which, like, would be more painful, but I think you'd die more quickly. It's like, because I think that oil would be so hot that you would probably, like... It burn you yeah. faster. Yeah, yeah. Just like, the, the hot dog flavored water. Yeah. I think you'd actually taste the hot dog water. It'd be this whole thing. Um, <laughs> no, just, like, that would just like really suck. <laughs> so this guy like, gets go ahead and kill me, but don't give me the hot dog. Also, water. this Come guy on. drowns in boiling hot dog water, and he gets his heart carved out and dropped into the hot dog water. And somebody pulls oh. out the heart that's been like you the can see it's like browned heart. from being in the water because it's cooked. Oh. <laughs> It's so horrible. I also like when, like, it takes them a while to discover him because, like, the guy goes in to get more beer out of the fridge and his body is, like, in the bottom of the fridge and he just grabs the beer off the top shelf and closes the fridge when the dead guy is still inside. Yes. Yeah. Also, that fridge had, like, one six-pack of beer left. I was like, all right, good luck, y'all. Yeah, y'all did not prepare for this party, um, clearly. Yeah. There's also there's also the scene where like uh, the guy and the girl are like in I guess like the locker room and they're about to have sex. This is the guy who was getting the six pack of beer that saw the yeah. not the dead guy. Well, didn't see the dead guy, but should have seen the dead guy. Yeah, but he he goes and gets the beer, and then she gets killed in the meantime. In this very cool scene, it's a very where good scene, like. Yeah. The uniforms keep dropping down from the ceiling because they're like hanging on like a, a rack, like above. hanging on. Yeah, it's like a, it's like it, oh my god, it's like above. the um, it's the the lines that the pigs come in on in Saw Three. It's like um, oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> it's like one of those no! like it's one of those moving racks. It like moves around the room, and so like yeah, um, they just kind of like hanging down. up there. Yeah, and they just start dropping down, and like earlier he like demonstrated how you can pull on a string to make them come down or something but now they're like all falling down around her and she doesn't know like where it's coming from it's clearly like the killer is doing it and the killer kills her and then the guy comes back and like you sort of see that her head is like impaled on the shower head yes in the locker room but you don't get a good view of it and so there's apparently a significant portion of this film that was cut that they can't recover. And I'm thinking like that scene was one of them. 
Cause like you don't get a really good view of what happens to her, but it's like clear that like her head's like impaled on the shower head. Yeah, her head Should is definitely. Be... It's one of those like showers that comes up out of the ground and has like spigots all around it, right? Like, yeah, like an old school male locker room shower where like dudes would mm-hmm. just like shower around a pole or something, and it's like, all right, you are asking for gay sex, and like, <laughs> like she's clearly been impaled, and like the vision, the visual you see is like clearly the spigot for water, like some of it is coming like out of her mouth. Like just like, blah, 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 blah. um, very, and like her poor boyfriend is like, wah, 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 wah. I can't blame him. I would also be speechless at that point. Um, so it seems like it was pretty brutal. I'm not going to lie. Poor, poor girl did not deserve that. So, yeah. Um, it's not, not good. Yes. And there's, you know, there's, there's the fight between the two guys between TJ and Axel yes at at the like and they like get kind of separated and whatever and then a bunch of other people go down like decide like hey we're gonna go down to the mine briefly like oh yeah that sounds like a great idea right now when you're yes. drunk and whatever they're gonna like take the little mine train down yes so including um Hollis was one of my favorite characters. Hollis here. is like the, Hollis is one of the, the the characters. He works in the mine. The big chubby guy with the walrus mustache. He does have a like, walrus mustache. He's the guy who sort of leads this expedition down to the mine. And so they go down there, and but um, like by the time they realize that these murders have happened, like they like the people have already gone down the mine so everybody else like drives off immediately they're like get out of here get the fuck out of here um but they're like but there's people have already gone down to the mine so they have to go down and save them so they're like the only people who go down are axel and tj yes um who like feel like responsible because they're like the more in charge people at this mine um and so they go down to try to help people get out because they know that the killer's going to be going there next. Yes. Yes. And so then, then the end of the movie plays out like in the mines basically. Um, yeah. And we, we've got it. We get a number of character deaths. We don't really see all of them. Um, like there's a couple that gets killed by like a drill, just like impaling them while they're like, first of all, they're sleeping together in these mines, which is like a weird choice. Um, but they get impaled with that, that, you know, that, that's, that drill big drill yeah <clears throat> um kind of like like from slumber party massacre it is too. very slumber party massacre too um <laughs> the the driller killer um but we also like like hollis gets it by like what he just gets his throat slit right um yeah he he finds the two of them drilled together yeah and then like set, like the miner sneaks up on him and slits his throat right and like um there's there's a few others like uh, there's another guy who's down there with them who they find well, they we don't really know what happens to him other than they find him when they're trying to take the ladder out of the mines and they find his like beheaded body or whatever. Yeah, um, he just like falls out of the out of the skylight or the whatever. sort of like shaft that they're of, climbing up. Um, yeah. Um, the Hollis's girlfriend eventually gets it. Um, yeah, it's just like everybody's biting the dust, man. 
Um, she keeps like Hollis is very clearly dead, and she's like, "No, we have to stop to save him." It's like he's he's dead. That's a very frustrating like the, moment. The um, miner is right over there. We gotta go. Like she's like, "No, I don't want to um, do it anymore. I just want to stay here." And it's like, "What? Yeah, he's been murdered. You want to stay with the murder body? Like, I mean, I I understand that you're traumatized right now, but like, you want to stay with the murder body." You know that the yeah. murder is murderer is around here. You don't want to at least get away from the murderer. Um, but yeah, she, but there's, a, she really has a, you know, she does not handle it very well, which again, can't blame her, but yeah, it's a, it's a traumatizing situation. But anyway, both Axel and TJ are like running around trying to corral all these people and get them out of there, whatever. Um, and there's of course a dramatic, uh, ride up on the mine train, which is interrupted in a, a fight with the the miner. And the, the police at this point also have been called down to the mine. They're like running down to, the mine shaft. They're, they're like all yeah, like running down the tunnel. Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> because because the, the mine elevator was sabotaged and stuff. Yeah. So there's anyway the the end i don't want to give away the ending because it's there's a there's a pretty good ending to this um but yeah the the killer is revealed and um there's a little bit of a cave-in that allows him to escape yes and he sort of he scampers off in, into the darkness and he says like what does he say? Uh, oh my god, I remember. Goodbye, that. my bloody Valentine. Or something yes. like that. It's like it's such a very like early slasher kind of thing. It's like yes. sort of intoning softly. Goodbye, my bloody Valentine. And that like that to me felt like a very like black Christmas type moment. Yes. And also yes, no matter who you leading up to think the killer is, it does not feel in character with who the killer is. Like none of the characters does it seem like they would ru- scamper off into the darkness shouting goodbye my bloody valentine. Not a single one of them. <laughs> and so the fact that they do that it's like, hmm, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like so just if you if there's a character who you think would do that, I promise it's not them because they 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 would not do that. Um it's very bizarre. Mm. It's like, wait, really? They did that? They said that? They're that crazy? Um, so I like it though. It's a no. Fun I moment. really enjoy it. It's, yes, yes. It's a, it's so it's, it's so like early slasher. I yes. just I love that part. I also uh, love a gimmick. I love a gimmick in a killer. So yes, give it to absolutely. Me. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, arguably, yeah. the character dressing, the killer dressing as a minor was a gimmick to begin with. But <laughs> um, true. Yes. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love this movie overall. I thought the imagery was so fun, especially when they did like the flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. They just made them so crazy and over the top. Um, this was a movie that just thrived off of imagery and thematic elements, like making like the town feel like Valentine's Day. Yes. And also just like the general mood of everyone hanging out. Like a lot of times when like you get a slasher movie like this, where it's like a bunch of teens partying or whatever. But I feel like in this one, we really got to see a lot more of the, like the backstory behind the lives of these characters and got like, when when you got to see them hanging out at the parties, it actually felt like a party. Like 
you, it you felt understood like they, what was going on. I mean, on. I felt like they wanted to hang out, which is not normally the case. A lot of times yes. it's like, why yeah. are you friends? Um, in this movie, <laughs> it was like, I see why you're friends. Like, people have, like, connections and they want to, ha- like, you know, it made sense. Um, it felt it felt pretty realistic, like, on the whole. It was like, this is what this, this feels like a real small town. Like, so, you know. It did not feel realistic that there was a guy in a minor outfit running around murdering people, but that's like, um, <laughs> oh, that's that's to- that's normal small town life, honestly. Well, I do but. believe that. But, um. <laughs> All right, so that leads us into the two thousand nine remake. Yeehaw! Um, right away, this movie starts off very differently. <laughs> um, this um, and. Uh, <laughs> Again, it, this starts as soon as possible with showing the weird 3D-ness of this film. There's, um, the movie starts with, like, a bunch of newspaper clippings sort of recounting the story of the original mine disaster. Um, and it, there's also, like, some voiceover that fills in some of the details. Right, right. Um... But basically, you get the story of the first mine cave-in and the subsequent cannibalism, whatever, um, and the trial of Harry... um, God, I keep forgetting his fucking name. Harry Harry Warden. Harry Warden. Um, There's some slight details that are changed here. So in this one, in the original, they just said that like he, he was cannibalistic down there. Um, it was unclear whether he did that for survival or he just like sort of went crazy. Uh, in this one, it's clarified that he, he kills the other miners down there so that he, um, can use all the air that's left. Right. So that, um, he has the best chance of survival. Um, but then he goes into like a comatose state for almost a year (laughs) kind of like michael myers between what was it halloween two and three no way (laughs) halloween two and four (laughs) halloween two and four um when he goes down the river that time um but i like so that was interesting i i thought it was interesting how so in the first one we got both the story of the original mind disaster and of his return one year later through like storytelling by characters later in the film. Here they give you basically everything up front and they also directly show you the return one year later. Right. Um, so yeah, we get to see, we get like all that stuff with the newspaper clippings showing the original incident and then we see his return to kill people right um yeah i think i think that so wait what the like the first of all i just wanted to comment on the newspaper effects like it's very clear that this was like a 3d thing oh (laughs) because like the way that everything was like floating over like some parts floating over other ones i was like oh i bet this looks very different in 3d it's like that the (laughs) headlines are in 3d the headlines are like jumping at you and stuff like that a lot of the time and like I'm like, this seems like a weird use for 3D just to have, like, the text pop out, but okay. 
but it's like the opening credits so it's sort of like you know yeah um you know um yeah, so and, and this I th- was also when I found out that Jensen Ackles was going to be in this movie, so I was like, "Oh, oh okay. I didn't know this you didn't know that." Um, very two thousands, right here. Very, okay. We say that, but Supernatural like just ended. So um, okay, well, Jensen Ackles has carved himself out a very lucrative career. Yeah. So um, full respect to him. Yeah. Good but for him. he's definitely he definitely cemented his. So, uh, like his role in the 2000s as, as a former supernatural watcher who's like definitely not i have not watched it in many seasons um it was nice to like like i'd kind of forgotten what he sounded like you know um i was like oh his voice is like it's not like it's like pretty boy twink that he kind of looks like he might be at that point um <laughs> so he's got yeah kind of like a tough there's like a voice. it's like a deeper huskier voice than i think i yeah. expect when i see what he looks like at this age um, i only i think i only watched the first season and i gather that the show changed quite a bit after that <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah if there if I there were the first season if there were any movie involvement i'd say someday we should have a supernatural episode because it is kind of up our alleys in a lot of ways um <laughs> Because it's just completely ridiculous, but like, it's it's just not even. Um, if we could find a way to review all of Supernatural in one episode, honestly, that would maybe. be an episode worth doing. <laughs> um, but like, anyway, so I think so. Okay, we've talked about like it's very three D. The you know they they cover they're using like sort of like I don't want to say I guess it is sort of like narrative devices to cover a lot of the backstory. And not the same narrative devices that the first movie used. The first one used like flashbacks yeah. and like in story storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. The guy at the bar. Oh, by the way, I I forgot oh, he to dies. mention this. He but gets we, it. We have to go back. The guy at the bar gets gets killed, and it's the funniest way too, because he's like he 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 knows that these teens the 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 teen the twenties are going out to the mine to party. So he sets up like a fake miner puppet that's going to like pop out with an axe when they open a door. So he's like, ah, this will scare him. And he tests it twice and sees it pop out. And then he walks away, but then he comes back. He's going to test it a third time. It's like, oh, this time it's going to be the real miner and it's going to kill him. And sure enough, it's the real miner and it kills him. Yeah. (laughs) But it was like, okay, that guy kind of got what was coming to him. He sure did. Um, <laughs> but uh, yes, anyway. So <laughs> I think back. that um, the first big difference to note here, other than just like narrative structuring, is that like our main characters are victim of the trauma in this movie. In the original movie, these like 20-somethings are removed from the trauma. Well, not all of them are removed from the trauma. But overall, there's like this sense that like they were probably like five years old when like the right. murders happened. And so like there's a they're not thinking of it the same way that like you're like 60-year-old mayor is who had to govern the town through that crisis. Like there's a complete recontextualization of it here. So in this film it takes place 10 years later and the people involved are in their late 20s or early 30s and were like the these people were directly in the main time in the main timeline of the movie they are in their late 20s and 30s like um, when the when the murders initially happen they're like high school senior age um and like they're like teenagers going to party at the mine and 
the 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 bloody miner comes for them and like um a lot of kids die at that night um we see it there are like kids like getting like sliced up and pickaxed and blown up and I don't even know what's going on. There's a lot happening. So, um. Before we, before we even get to see that, though, I, I have to talk about what happens at the hospital because this part. Oh yeah, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, this part really harkened back to the um, the Black Christmas remake for me, where we get to see um, Billy break out of jail in that one. In here, we get to see. Um, Fucking god damn it. <laughs> Are you trying to say Harry Warden? <laughs> Harry Warden! We get to see Harry Warden break out of the mental asylum after he's been in a coma for like a year. And um disappointingly, we don't get to actually see him. Like, we just get to see him wake up, and then we see like a flash forward to the results of him breaking out. But uh, it's really brutal. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> there's like you get to see like the like the cops come in and just like survey the crime scene and they're just like sort of matter of factly walking around these horrible eviscerations and decapitations and just like the most brutal bloody crime scene you can possibly imagine with like 15 plus victims and there's like sort of walk at it like the camera's just showing us all of this in a very matter of fact way. And it's like, I feel like we should have maybe seen some of this. Like, yes, this yeah. would have been interesting. But like, this is a very intimidating aftermath, certainly. It's, um, it's sort of it's very interesting to me because it felt like. It did not. I mean, the the My Bloody Valentine killer is like you know he's a killer and he's pretty brutal, but I do not think that I think of him as like being like this like I'm going to rip you limb from limb and blood is going to be splattering on the walls. Your blood will paint the ceiling. Like that's yeah. like Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie verse. Like exactly. Like it 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 did feel like those scenes in in Rob Zombie's first Halloween movie when he's breaking out of the mental asylum. Um, just all that blood and gore and stuff in the fir- in the first movie, you know, the miner just sort of kills you as quick as he can and then rips your heart out here. Right. It's like, there's brutal evisceration. Right. These look like things that would have been painful to be happening as opposed to a lot of like a lot of his murders in the original. It's sort of like they're quick and like, yes, he's going to rip your heart out afterwards, but you're probably not feeling that. So at least there's that comfort, right? <laughs> In this one, yeah. those murders looked like... It lo- I mean, it seems hard to imagine that people... Like, you weren't still alive while some of that was happening. Like, um... Mm-hmm. And so that yeah. sucks. Um, that's, like, really bad. Um, <laughs> that's a so, big bummer. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, a bit of a downer. Um, so... <laughs> bit of a downer, innit? Um... um so yeah, it's like <laughs> I do think I, I wrote that down. I was like, it's a it's super gratuitous gore, but we don't even get to see them get killed. No, we don't. But um, but this is like the establish, uh, like establishing the fact that he breaks out for that one year anniversary, yeah. and then we get to see people hanging out at the coal mine, and it totally is like a CW type yeah, setup here. It is, yeah, guys. 
Like just hanging out. Like it, everybody's dressed like super nineties ish. Nineties, like hanging nineties ish. Yeah, yeah. Well, it should be like late nineties, early two thousands. Because the film, the the film's present is two thousand nine. So ten years previously would be nineteen ninety. Yeah, I just think that they didn't do a good job of depicting that i just want to be clear that i'm not disagreeing with with your take on when the timeline is i'm just saying on like like jamie king's character looks pretty like oh five in this opening scene like yeah axel specifically has like that turn of the millennium type like flipped up visor kind of look you know well Uh, axel specifically also was very famously in a very 90s horror movie called Final Destination. Um, <laughs> really? Oh, wow. He's one of the That's main, a great connection. He's one of the leads in Final Destination, Kerr Smith. Um, That's also, fantastic. Also, Dawson's Creek. He's an extremely <laughs> 90s actor. I just like... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, that, like, this is a totally Dawson's Creek type scene. Yes. So, that's that's amazing. Um, I can't um, believe you didn't know yeah, that. Um, I didn't. I don't know a lot about Dawson's Creek, wow. but that's why um, that's why wow, you're oh here God. to provide that context. You just there's um, so much you need to know about his character in Dawson's Creek, um, <laughs> but I, w- I won't go into that right now. So anyway, continue. It's not necessarily relevant at the moment, but um, no. But his character is like really important and like important to me personally. <laughs> so uh, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so yes like the, this whole seat the, they're just like hanging out at the mines and then like all of a sudden like harry shows up and starts like brutally murdering people and also um god what's the the jensen ackles character tim has showed up yeah tim has shown up and everyone just kind of is like standoffish towards him because he's response. He was sort of responsible for the accident that took place. So in, in the in the original movie, it was like the overseers, yeah, uh, who were responsible, and um, Harry just showed up and killed them on the night of uh, the one year anniversary. But in this one, and you can see it through like a flashback of Harry's memory. It was it was Tim who was responsible, who's the the son of the mines owner, and he just didn't know enough. He didn't know to to vent off the explosive gas or whatever. Yeah, I mean, this could and be what happens when you let a sixteen year old be in charge of important things in a, a highly <laughs> basically, dangerous yeah, um, classic nepotism moment. Um, um, yeah, but. Yeah. So, Don't know so anything like about everyone nepotism. never experienced that, never experienced that on a high governmental level not, in my country. Um, <laughs> no, so, that's never happened. Um, um, so yeah, so like in this in this one year later moment that like everyone there is kind of standoffish towards him, but he's still I mean, you know hanging out there. Okay, he's still hanging out there, and he still seems to have a thing with. Um, Jamie King, Sarah, so like Yes, yeah, he and Sarah are still like an item at that point um, but then the murders happen and there's all these, these horrible murders um, but then the murders and there's the murders in the mine and there's some really gory scenes here and this is where the 3D starts to really come out because oh, yeah. you get like 
the real POV shots of like the pickaxe coming towards the screen. Okay. And you're just like, oh, okay, so this was a 3D. This is honestly the most you'll ever see a pickaxe coming at you in your life. Um, yeah. So. This whole movie is just all pickaxes towards the screen. Yeah. Um, Nonstop. I will say it, it, it instills a fear of pickaxes in me. So. I respect the movie for that because I do not think I thought about pickaxes outside of this movie. And then I saw this movie and I was like, I don't want to be stabbed with that. That seems really unpleasant. So. I liked how um, when they were posing for a picture outside the mine before all this happened, uh, the girl was like, say over the pants hand job. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a weird moment. <laughs> That's a really, it's a, that's like, okay, you know what? That's a perfect juxtaposition to like er, the original where we were like, it seems real that these people would be friends. It does not seem real that these characters are like best friends. <laughs> like what the These fuck? characters are wildly different yes. in this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> None of them make any sense. Um, they're all. And like, that is like that more than anything else is the defining characteristic of like 2000s horror. Like none of the characters would be friends IRL, but 2000s, they were like, you know what? We need a nerd. We need a quote unquote (laughs) slut. We need a jock. We need a stoner. We need a good girl. And it would be like, these people would not hang out. But in, in a 2000s horror, they're like, no, they're best friends. They chill. They, they party together. (laughs) And it be- it's giving me some strong House of Wax 2005 yes, Absolutely, vibes. yeah. <laughs> um, so that's like the defining characteristic of, of 2000 slashers, and My Bloody Valentine did not escape that here. Like, none of these people make sense as friends. Not a single one. Um, and, like, you can sort of chalk some of it up to, like, in high school it's kind of weird, but, like, not in the 2000s it wasn't. People were clicky in the 2000s. Now it would yeah. be less weird. In the 2000s, it was weird. Um, the 2000s was a specifically clicky time. So yes. it's odd that that's the time where horror movies are trying to tell us that everybody was getting along. It makes more sense uh, now. Like people from different quote unquote cliques would hang out now, I think. Like, you know, in 2021. It, because people, it's just different. We live in the internet age now. Like everybody like talks to people online and like it like you know certain things like that don't matter quite as much but like in the 2000s it mattered and it's weird that the movies presented otherwise so anyway so yeah all these people get murdered here a bunch of a bunch of people get murked in the tunnels and similarly to the original um harry escapes off into the mines and nobody's really clear on what happens to him so again it's like plausibly he could come back later right but then we we flash forward to 10 years later and this this part is particularly funny to me well so wait, wait, we wait, find wait, wait. Well, you're, you're jumping ahead i think it's really important that we i'm jumping ahead 10 years uh yeah but i well, think it's important what? that we mention how the scene with harry warden really ends with with yeah. mo- four characters escaping harry's Har- harry's wrath but importantly it's it's sarah axel What's her name? Played by Betsy Rue. Um, I can't remember her name, and the movie does not seem to treat her well. So, um, <laughs> so they escape, but like Jensen Ackles' character 
gets thrown around by Harry Warden and everybody's like, oh, he's dead. Just leave him. And I'm like, he just got thrown into a wall. Like, that's it. That's all that happened to him. He's not dead. Like, <laughs> and they're just like, we should just leave. He got killed by colliding with that wall. Yeah. They're, they're like, we should just leave. Cause he's dead now. And hey, Jensen Ackles gets to watch these people just be like, let's just like go. And he's like, all I did was get tossed into a tin wall. You think I fucking died from that? I got tossed into a, a an aluminum wall. It's made of foil. I'm alive. Again, it's like it's like understandable because like obviously people dislike him and there's like there's totally ready to leave him for dead. Yes, but it's so, also very understandable that he then leaves town for many years. Like <laughs> Right. So yeah, so once again, just like TJ did in the earlier movie, he um decides to skip town at this point, which we're later um, shown is a little bit of a different situation here. Yes. Um, but yeah, he he leaves and uh, Axel becomes the sheriff in town um, and ends up getting married to Sarah. Um, this 10 year later, this 10 years later segment is like sort of bookended with like news segments. So like, so like 10 years later, what is happening here in the town of Harmony? Because in this, in this film, the town is called Harmony for some reason. Yeah. I found that really strange. Like, why wouldn't you like Valentine Bluffs was on the nose enough. Why would you? Try to pick something that was equally strange, but not the same. It made perfect sense. Just keep Valentine Bluffs. Um, the The way this movie depicts a small town, I gotta say, I gotta say, it's very quintessential, like horror post, like nineteen eighty seven ish, where it's like, you know how we're gonna say that this is a small town? They have a truss bridge. You know how we're gonna say that this yeah. is a small town? <laughs> One of the main characters is the manager at the local grocery, like. Like this is like how the how small towns became a thing later on, and like these horror yes. movies, like it's like we're gonna have the grocery manager as a main character. There's gonna be an establishing shot where there's a truss bridge over a river, and there's a mountain in the background. That's just going to happen. Real America has grocery stores yes. and bridges that aren't suspension bridges. Yeah. It's just like. That's the only way that we do real America now in movies. It's All right, like, like you, you filthy liberal bridges. These are some real America. I gotta say, bridges. I love a truss bridge. I fucking love a truss bridge. And so, I got no problem with a truss yeah, bridge. Yeah, um, big fan, big fan. But somehow that is like the quintessential like symbol of, of like small town America, um, and that's weird to me. And I think we need to evaluate that. Uh, but I will say that it does make it seem like this movie takes place in like small town Pennsylvania, which makes sense for a coal town. So, yeah, they definitely they definitely have a lot of Pennsylvania signals in here. I think that like somebody's wearing something that says Harrisonburg at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I just can't believe Joe Biden definitely... didn't show up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is Biden's America. This is. <laughs> is what we're trying to save is the small town of Harmony, Pennsylvania. <laughs> but when, the, when the bloody miner breaks into the grocery store, this is Biden's America. This is it. <laughs> this is what you voted for. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
I do love the fact that like this was a Canadian movie that for the remake was very specifically ported over to blue collar America. Super um, blue collar America. Like Yeah. <laughs> it's just it, it's very interesting to me. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Because the the first one even felt very Canadian. Um this one it's like, nah, this is distinctly America. This is like Chef's Kiss America. This is like, all right, we get it. We're, we're here. America. We're here in the U.S. This is like newscaster voice. I'm here in the United States of America where um, a minor is killing people. This seems like a normal everyday occurrence here. Um, that, oh, wait. You said a minor, not a minor. I, I, I like not another school shooting? No. Uh, okay. A minor like, <laughs> zoinks, the minor 49er. Um, <laughs> not another minor 49er. Um, so. so yes, so we get anyway we get, we get this this flash forward of ten years to show the new the new town and uh, Jensen Ackles has has come back to town after his ten year absence yes. um, and um, he likes peacoats now so as opposed <laughs> to big puppy vests he likes peacoats so yes he he is a, he is a city boy type person because he's wearing peacoats. Um, meanwhile, you know, Axel is the, is the new sheriff in town is married to Sarah, but he also has, uh, a, a thing on the side with the, the girl from the, uh, supermarket. It's like the fun It's not funny. It's like, he like has picked, he's made, he's chosen so fucking wrong. Like he's like, he's like, all right. My wife is the general manager at the grocery, which is already like, I'm not saying that the wife of the sheriff in a small town should not have a job, but I am saying, I don't know that she needs general manager at the grocery as a job. <laughs> um, it, like maybe she just wants it because she really feels passionately about being the general manager at a grocery. I will say that nothing about her demeanor when she's working the job implies that she enjoys it. Um, but... It is like, I don't know that the sheriff of this town, act, I don't know that his wife would need a job. I think she could just not work. Um, especially given that they appear to have a live-in nanny. Um, I, yeah, I just, definitely. You know, you could just not work and not have the live-in nanny, and you know, but whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. It just seems like a weird choice to give the sheriff of a town a grocery store manager wife. It's like... It's a very, I guess it is a very 2009 thing because that's the economic crisis. Um, so anyway, <laughs> um, but also but it, he's it's... sleeping with her direct report employee. He's like, <laughs> he's just like sleeping with the, like, and not even just like her direct report employee, like, like the fucking cashier at the grocery store. That's who you're sleeping with. Yeah. You're sleeping at the cashier with the cashier. That's that's it. That's what does it for you. And you're doing this in your like house on your dad's property in the middle of the woods. It hasn't been cleaned in like a decade. Oh, and on a mattress on the floor. All right, things are going really well for you. Yeah, but. they're 
They're like hooking up in this abandoned house that's like full of garbage and like leaves and stuff. It's like, like, oh, this is very romantic. What a great time you must be having here. Also, I felt like everybody's age here was really strange. Yes. Like it seemed like they tried to make the cashier seem like she was super young, like she was a teenager or something. But like I went to look up everybody's age after this. So she was like 25 or 26. You mean the actress? Like that. The actress? The yeah. actress, yes. And then, like, most of the other people in the movie are, like, around 30. Like, 28, 29, 30, 31, something like that. But specifically, the guy who plays the sheriff is 37. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So he's, like, he is the one person who's, like, way older than he's supposed to be. Well, he was playing, think about it, he was playing, like, like, upper high school student, college student in the 90s. So, but he's even like he's even like six or seven years older than Jensen Ackles, and they're supposed to be like the same age. So it's like it's it's a really weird situation. Yeah, it's weird. It's really <laughs> like, weird. Like he seems significantly older than her, just because he's like older than he should be for his role. I don't know, but like I don't know. It, I think I feel like it's meant to seem a little predatory, but they're all like well within a reasonable yeah i i do think his relationship with the the with the grocery store employee is meant to seem like not good it's not supposed to reflect well on him um yeah and so you know i i don't think she's supposed to be like a high school student um you know i think i i get the impression that she's like 19 ish is like the idea Mm -hmm. um like like she's like like she's a high school graduate who didn't go to college is the thing I get from yeah. the vibe I get from her. Um, and so that's still not good. Right. Like if you're an adult who's in a position of leadership in a town, you probably shouldn't be sleeping with somebody who's fresh out of high school, but like, um, you know, question marks abound. Um, <laughs> Um, there's a lot of question marks in this movie in general. There's a lot of question marks. I really like when she's like, I'm never without you. I'm pregnant. And it's like, hmm, we're in hell now. So let's. <laughs> um, and he, he like just doesn't say anything to that. And she's like, maybe someday you'll tell your wife about us. And it's like, you think so? I really don't think so. Uh, I think your wife or his wife is your boss. And I think that. You should just, you know, this is sad. This is real sad. This is a very sad time for all of us to be viewing. Um, so they, they have an upsetting situation. And I think it's very upsetting that the wife is just like the saddest human in this town. She's like the manager of the yeah. grocery store. And she's just like clearly visibly unhappy. Like <laughs> she's clearly had to put up with a lot. And like, obviously their marriage is not going very well. Not just because the husband is clearly having an affair, but also like they clearly have a lot of unresolved stuff going on. She clearly still has some hangups about Tim when he shows up. Well, I mean, I want to like, like, like walk through the, the, the situation, you know, imagine you experience this deep trauma as a like high school senior in which your then high school boyfriend was almost murdered by a minor who like killed everybody in town a year prior. 
And you were like, okay, he's being murdered, so let's just leave and let him be murdered. But then it turned out he survived, and you were like, this is really awkward. And so then he left town, and so then you decided to date and ultimately marry a guy who was also there when you decided to leave your then-boyfriend to be murdered by a bloody minor. Like, that's a very awkward situation to be in, and maybe you shouldn't have dated somebody who was also there at that situation, is all I'm going to say. Like, at least not so quickly. Um, honestly, I would need therapy for 20 years before I could date anyone. So everybody in this movie needs therapy. Just like so much like fucking therapy. Really long time. Um, they, they all have like deep seated issues and none of them have ever dealt with any of them. So that's yeah, like, really that's bad. definitely the, the, the ultimate message of this movie is like, go get therapy. Needs to go to therapy. The message of my bloody Valentine 3d 2009 is get therapy. Please fucking get therapy. Right. Um, like, I, and that's that's definitely a much more present thing in this one than the original. Uh, as we've said before, because, you know, the the people who are, like, the still the young folks in this one actually were involved in the original incident as opposed to the original. Right. Yeah, in the original, the the uh, most the characters did not have this connection to the original murders, right? But uh, in this mm-hmm. movie, you know, all of our main characters are directly connected to it. They most of their motivations stem from the fact that they were there, and so you know that that plays into a lot of it. Like even like Kara Smith's character uh, Axel, you know, he's like constantly distrustful of Tim. He He's constantly basically angry at all times and doesn't want anybody to be close to him. Hard to blame somebody who was also murdered, who was almost murdered by a miner in a coal mine. um, Yeah. For being a little distrustful of a lot of people, uh, especially when one of the people, you know, who was there when he was almost murdered was the guy who was sort of responsible for the fact that this guy is angry enough to want to kill them. Um, that, you know, it's it's just, like, everybody is impacted by this. Even, like, and, like, Sarah is, like, you know, she's working in a, in a grocery store, and she's, like, seems to be constantly sad. Hard to imagine that most of her sadness does not stem from the fact that she witnessed a lot of her friends get, like, cut open by a man. You know, yeah. that seems... I mean, that would not let you have a happy, healthy life moving forward. Yes, and like Betsy Rue, I can't, why can't I not remember her character's name? Um, they say it multiple <laughs> times. She's like a, she's a lot lizard and like, she's like sleeps oh, with truckers. Um, and she's like super into sleeping with Irene? truckers. And, what? Irene. Irene. Yeah. Which by the way, gotta say, Irene is the name of 60 year old women. Nobody named Irene has ever been below the age of 60. So that's my grandmother's name. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, very interesting name choice. Um, yeah. Um, so, but like her character is very interesting. If we like get down to that. Yeah. Let's that, go. that, so that's one of the random murders that takes place that like sort of tips people off to the fact that something's going on in this town. 
um, that she gets murdered at this like sort of slummy motel when she's having sex with some trucker there. Yeah. Um, and that scene like has a lot of interesting stuff going on. <laughs> So I like the word she, interesting here, but yes, you're well, right. Well, isn't that, that the part where she explains the origins of Valentine's Day in that scene? She does sort of, yeah. Because um, <laughs> because the trucker mentions something about Valentine's Day. She's like, oh, fucking Valentine's Day. Um. <laughs> She's like, you know, it originated with St. Valentine in the ancient Roman eras where boys would draw... Lots out of a thing, it like so, like goes in this whole explanation of the origins of Valentine's Day, and I'm like, okay, this is extremely 2000s horror. Mm-hmm. We have to have someone like explicitly lay out the origins of Valentine's Day while um, like butt ass naked. Um, yeah, <laughs> of course, there's a lot of nudity in this scene, yeah. um, and like she and like the the trucker like tapes her having sex with him yes and like she finds out about it as he's leaving and like chases him out into the parking lot while butt ass naked (laughs) just like across the parking lot and he's still filming this whole time apparently (laughs) the whole sequence is very funny because while they're having sex she's like looking at a mirror on the ceiling she's like i look so fucking hot and i'm like yes i'm like all right big mood love this energy for you and then this looks like this is like every motel room in like the Pigeon Forge area. Pigeon Forge. <laughs> I can't believe Pigeon Forge <laughs> is the first thing that comes to mind here. What the fuck? <laughs> Let me tell you, like the last time I was around there, there was a lot My of family ads for these kind of motels. Lived in Pigeon Forge for years. <laughs> I have spent significant time in Pigeon Forge. You know there's a lot of slutty motels around Oh, there. my God. That's, it's just the most just random fucking it. town you could have chosen in the entire country. And I it's just so not happen that to have random country. if you think about it. Um, I just so happen to have a connection to Pigeon Forge. Um, anyway. Um, it's the Las Vegas of people from Western Virginia. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, that's pretty true. Um, yeah, and so she's like... Then she finds out that, like, he was filming, and she's like, I'm not a, what is she, she's like, I'm not a prostitute, and he's like, you are now, and gives her money, and I'm like, all right, (laughs) we're doing it, she's gonna be pissed at this. Um, That's how this works. (laughs) But she picks up a gun, and just, like, walks outside in high heels, but otherwise, butt-ass naked. Completely naked. Like, out into this parking lot, and I'm like, what is wrong with you? You couldn't put on a robe? Um, but I love it. It's very <laughs> iconic. Um, she's like, Hey, no, 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 no. You're going to delete this video. Blah, 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 blah. She's very upset about this video, which is also, this is a, it's a very R rated horror movie moment. Yes. It's just like lots of tits everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> I do think it's interesting that she's very upset about the video. I'm not saying that she shouldn't be. Anybody should be upset about being recorded when they yes. are not expecting to be recorded. But she seems to, like, have, like, a personal stake in it. Like, something could happen with this that I don't like. And it's like, well, what is your... I mean, I I got the impression that... I don't know. I mean, I don't think her job is, like, political figure. Um, But, like, at the same time, again, like, (laughs) you know, 
she should be upset regardless. Nobody should be filmed against their permission. That's like a huge, you know, violation of privacy and everything else. Um, so I respect what she's doing here. Like I would also go shoot somebody instead of, you know, um, <laughs> I would also shoot a bitch. Yeah. Um, so, you know, she's doing the right thing, but I really love when he's like, uh, you're not going to shoot me or whatever. And she throws the fucking gun at him. She just throws the gun <laughs> in his head. Well, uh, because it, it like it was un it was it wasn't loaded. So yes. like he's like he's like I know that's not loaded. You're not going to do anything. So she throws it at him. <laughs> Cuz that's all she can do at that point. Yes. Oh my However, god. However, <laughs> she is well, fortunately and then unfortunately for her, she is saved because within the truck that the trucker is about to get into and drive away in is the bloody miner who immediately impales this man's head. Um, and she's just like, oh, okay. Um, somebody was murdered. It's another, another crazy 3D scene where you get to see the, the pick fly towards the oh, head. Oh, yes, yes. Crazy <laughs> um, 3D. And then she gets cornered in the hotel room like behind the frame of the bed as he's like trying to chop through yes, it. Yes, because she's, finally... she's hidden under the bed while the manager of the motel is try is like wandering around looking for her dog and then gets killed by the killer. Um, yeah. And so then the killer finds her under the bed and so she's running around with like the spring from the bed. It's like the bed frame spring yeah. and she's just like... <laughs> What do you, at one point, like, first of all, this, this woman has watched the killer kill two people now. And she's like, what do you want? What are you doing here? And it's like, um, I think he wants to kill you. I think that maybe <laughs> he guy wants to commit like murder. This killing everyone. Yeah. I, I do not think you need to ask what he wants. What he wants is murder. And that's it. I don't know why you're asking anymore. Um, so very unfortunate time for her though. She does unfortunately get killed in the end, but. <laughs> she tries. She tries. She tries. She's naked. She tries. Yeah. <laughs> She's naked and she tries. She, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's one of the early on crimes that sort of alerts people to the possibility that stuff uh, that, you know, the, the minor might be back. And um, I do like that we, we have like the older wizened uh police people here um who experienced it previ previously especially tom atkins tom atkins uh, here i do like i do like that we have him here previously made made an appearance in our halloween three episode yes. uh he's just as great here um but they're like they're clearly invested in figuring out what's going on with the return of the minor. Um, Shockingly, they don't want the minor back. You know, I can't. No, because they thought they dealt with him years ago. Um, so there's this great scene where, uh, so, so um, Tim, who, um, you know, has just come back to town. He's supposedly here to to sell the mine once and for all and then just get out right. of the town right. for good because um, he doesn't want anything to do with it anymore. Um, you know, his family supposedly owned this for generations, but he's like, 
I want out. I just want to sell this and be done. Um, because like, there's a lot of, uh, bad associations with mine. Clearly. Yeah. I mean, I can't blame him for that. I would also want <laughs> out like, <laughs> but of course so, selling it is like a, a problem for people who work for the mine. Um, and we get to right. we get to experience yeah. that conversation where like Sarah's like, oh the the mine is this town. If you sell it, that's our lifeblood or whatever. And it's like, all right, well, yeah. they also have this conversation a, on the trust bridge. I just want to be clear, that conversation happens on the trust bridge. It's got to be on the trust bridge, in real America. In real America. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like that's that's a big source of conflict. In the movie, like he wants to get rid of the mine, or whatever. But the mine is like the the major source of commerce in the town. Um, so there's like this part in the movie where he goes to visit the mine. Where he's like checking it out before he tries to sell it. Yes. And then the the murderous miner appears. Ooh, the MM. The MM the appears. MM. And um, it he traps him in this little uh, this little cell type place like that, just like a little uh, maintenance area. Quite or something. frankly, I don't know why the space exists, but um. yeah, it's like it's only there for him to to be trapped in, yes. basically. But like he like pushes him in there and like bends the lock so he's trapped in there and there's this very interesting moment of imagery where like they the two of them sort of mirror each other's movements which might or might not be influential later on who knows i don't know (laughs) um but and then like so Tim is basically forced to watch helplessly as the miner goes off and murders the guy that was, like, leading him through the mine. Right, like, showing him around um, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all the, like, as people rush down as they find out, like, what's going on and, like, find the, the murdered body of this miner and then find Tim trapped in the uh, the little cell there. Right. Um, but it's a it's a very tense scene, and um, this is like the first like we've obviously seen people murdered before here, but this is the first time it's tied to the mine specifically. Right. And like at this point, they're really they're sure that it's like Harry Warden is back. Right. He's he's back to wreak his vengeance. And it, it's interesting in this one because, like, in the in the earlier movie, there was a clear reason for him supposedly returning because it's like they're they're celebrating uh, Valentine's Day again. But now it's just like it's oh, been ten years. Back. I'm back now, bitches. He's, um, <laughs> he's just back ten years later. Yeah. There's there's no other reason though. It's not like they're having a big Valentine celebration or anything. Um, they do appear to still celebrate Valentine's Day. We get some instances where people are like given like hearts of chocolates and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Including um, the sheriff gives give um, gets a a heart of chocolates from his uh, mistress. His mistress, the pregnant yeah. girl, the pregnant grocery store employee. Um, 
at their secret abandoned house love spot. It's literally like the Blair Witch House. Like, I just don't know why you would ever go have sex there. Like, it's it's not great. It's yeah. it's a very gross place yeah. to have sex. I like. I would not. If I went in there, <laughs> I, I would, would not be, be into that. I would walk in there and be like, "All right, so the Blair Witch is coming for me. I'm I'm <laughs> gonna be found standing in a corner, just like staring at the corner. So <laughs> I don't want this. I don't want to be here. Um, no, thank you. But they're like, let's um, let's fuck. All right, normal. So. Yeah, even though even though the sheriff has his mistress, whatever, he's very much um, in conflict with Tim for the affection of his wife. Um, it's so like, like typical like ev- straight dude in a two thousands horror movie. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm cheating on my wife, but I'm super fucking possessive, and if anybody shows interest in her, I'm going to want them dead. Um, yeah, like every time, every time uh, Tom gets close to her, he's like trying to push in there and be like, "Oh yes, yeah, this is this is my woman, or whatever." There's like, there's a point where he's literally just like, "Oh yes, you're talking to her who I have sex with, or something like yes, that." He, yes, yes. Like, are you literally like flexing the fact that you have sex with your wife? Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Is going on right now? That is a, a direct. That is a thing that happens. Exactly that. <laughs> um, it's very weird. It's a very weird choice on Axel's part to say that. <clears throat> Even I mean, Sarah was there. She's like, "What the fuck?" Um, can't blame her. I would also be upset. Um, They're all there. It's like it's a very awkward situation. Yeah. It, but like he's like extremely jealous, right? Of the fact that. Like he's back at and like even so in the in the earlier movie, like um the equivalent of the Jensen Ackles character was much more directly vying for the affection of Sarah. He was like actively trying to get back with her. In this movie it's not quite like that. It's just like he's trying like he's trying to make connections again. Because he's really lonely and most people seem to hate him because they blame him for the mind collapse and the subsequent murders right. and everything. So it's like he's trying to make any connections he can. He's not really trying to get back with her, although he's not necessarily opposed to it. He's just he's just trying to find some sort of connection. Yeah, it does it's not as like obvious that he like is trying for it here. Whereas in the in the original, he like is explicitly wanting to get back with Sarah. And he's like kissing her and being like, we belong together right. and he, stuff and like that. And telling it's her to break up like with Axel or... and stuff in the original. In this yeah. one, that's not what's happening. Yeah. But the jealousy is still very much there. Yeah. And um, he's <laughs> just, I just love the fact that he's just like, yeah, I have sex with my wife. What now? <laughs> <laughs> It's like, um, all right, good for you. So, That's like a normal thing that happens. Thanks. I did like one added angle of this movie, which was um, so in the previous one, it was unclear whether um, Harry could still be alive or not because he like disappeared off into the mines, whatever. In this one, 
there's an added vigilante justice angle wherein the the share like the the Tom Atkins character the like the the older police people say like oh we found him and we killed him and we buried him we did it off the books because we knew that nobody would accept this right um i found that to be interesting um it, also just in general tom atkins character was really fun yeah <laughs> um, um yeah it does not seem that the, the vigilante justice really worked out in the end for them um i mean no you know um they still uh they get some comeuppance for it but uh yeah that was their goal and i you know i don't totally blame them i do like tom atkins character um his um uh, he meets a an unfortunate end but yeah he he gets one of the more gruesome kills in the movie yeah. where like he, the, the miner swings the the pickaxe up and like up under his jaw and then pulls his jaw out towards the camera so yeah. his jaw like flies out in a Presumably a great-looking 3D effect that I didn't get to see here. In 3D. You um, saw it in, like, the cartoony, like, violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the older cops do not get, like, the older... Like, the vigilante justice type characters. They do not meet a nice end. Um, yeah, you know, Tom Atkins... bludgeoned pretty brutally. Tom Atkins gets his jaw ripped off or whatever um, that we saw. And then uh, the other older guy who is what... Um, I don't even know what his like role is really, but he's the older guy. Is it is it Tim's like dad, uncle, cousin? Um, he's like it's he, it's like some sort of older member of the company. I think it it's. Uh, I feel like they're not like directly related, but it's like a family friend or something. Right, they have some sort of connection. He's like, oh, your father wouldn't have wanted it this way or something. Right, um, but he gets it by like, eventually the miner shows up and like impales him on the on the pickaxe but like through the eye but i really appreciate when he's like an inch from the pickaxe and he's like oh shit before right before (laughs) getting like impaled on it and it's like well you get all the lead up of that like it keeps reversing like angles showing like the pickaxe coming closer and closer and then like you get the the reverse of it moving towards his face. And then you get the pickaxe coming towards the screen. Yeah. It's just like, Oh my God. Like, this is so, so built for 3d. Like, yes, absolutely. It's, it's just, yeah. It's like a whole different medium. Almost. Yeah. It's weird to see like divorced of that context. I but mean, was, yeah, yeah. Anyway, eventually, um, Sarah and Axel and Tom end up in the mines. Yes. And, uh, it's pretty clear that one of the, like, w- one of either Tom or Axel is in fact the killer because of a lot of lead up that we've been given up till now. Um, but I don't want to give away who it is. That's fair. I do. I do want to point out that one of my favorite, like, movies like either red herrings or clues whichever you know um is when they go to the abandoned house that that 
Axel owns, and it's it's uh, Jensen Ackles' character, Tim, and he op- opens the closet, and there's just, like, hundreds of empty red heart boxes. Yes, yes, that's great, because, like, we've previously been... Uh, we've previously seen like the those torn out hearts that are like sort of the signature of the killer. Yeah. Those get left in the like the Valentine's Day heart box, chocolate box type thing, right? Um, as like a a souvenir of the kill. Um, so when you see all those boxes fall out of the closet, you're like, oh shit, that's that's not good. Yeah. Um, I, this probably has something to do with the killer. Right. It's like definitely like a big, like, uh Oh, something bad is here. But also I like, my first thought is literally just like, I don't even know where you get like empty red Valentine's heart boxes. Like you gotta buy a lot of chocolate. Yeah. Like that's my thing. Did you buy a ton of chocolates? <laughs> like, um, Oh, I had, I have to mention something I forgot to mention from the, uh, the original. Um, and that, there's one, um, there's one heart that gets left outside the police station, oh, yeah. inside of a heart box, and they don't find it until a bunch of dogs get to it. Yes, there is the dog. That scene, that scene is like really great because, like, the dogs are like really into. It. <laughs> The dogs are really trying to eat this bloody heart, and there's like one dog that the the actor is like actually trying to kick off that's like really ferociously trying to go after him like was that like an actual feral dog that the actor was trying to kick off like it looked like it was ready to commit violence to get to that to get to whatever was in that box so it did indeed look like that oh, um that yes. dog was was really going for it i love that dog Oh, but no, those dogs were like really trying to eat that human heart. All right, go Mm. for it. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. so they end up in the mines and and somebody is revealed to be the killer. Mm, Um, It's very dramatic. Um, It's very dramatic. And much that you've seen previously is called into question. Yes. There's, you know, sort of a montage sequence that shows oh, there, things yeah, as not they even really sort of, are. There is a montage sequence. There is a literal, just like straight up montage. Um, yeah, because I always that that's just staple of two thousands horror. But it's like this is what you thought you saw. Now here is what really happened. Yes, and I would love to like do a deep dive into like why that was such a staple of of like two thousands horror. Was like the the like sort of like mind games. We're gonna like you thought you saw this and we misled you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why that was such like a common trope of the 2000s sort of slasher genre, um, but it really was. It was huge. Um, although it didn't start in the 2000s, I would argue that that sort of thing started with the Sixth Sense. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's just just twist type cinema yeah, in general. Yeah, like. Making you question what you've been shown. Right. Like acknowledging cinema as like a, a selective storytelling method. Right. It, it really is a, is a way to mess with people, you know? Because you, you, if you control the camera, you control the story, 
you control what people get to see and so you can limit access to important information that way right absolutely yeah um which is very interesting and this movie i mean this movie definitely is trying to limit your access to certain information and sort of misinform you and misdirect you throughout um so that's an interesting thing for a horror movie to be doing um and it's using some I would say in some ways it's using like established actors to sort of do that too. Um, Cause in 2009, both Jensen Ackles and Kara Smith would have been like established sort of teen actor roles. Um, right. So yeah, like, like part of that goes to like, if you're, you're, you use your actors in a certain way, there's a certain expectation right. of like what sort of role those actors play and you can you can play off of that to subvert expectations. Right. Right. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I I I think it I think it's very interesting the way this movie it subverts expectations, um, both based off you know just its general sense of things and based off of its relation to the original film. Yes. I think but, I, I think it's interesting. Um, the movie definitely like is in dialogue with the original in terms of like. I mean, the killers are different characters in both movies. We haven't. We are not on this pod revealing who is the killer in either, but they are not the same like analog character. And I think like, I think that's already very interesting for a remake to do to change things up. Um, and yeah. so, um, and I do not think that's really giving anything away. I guess it sort of is if you see the first one and then watch the sequel. But like. Maybe, maybe, but like but, it, it's worth mentioning here on the show because it's just that is that does say a lot about what the remake is doing. It's not a shot for shot exact remake type situation, um, even though it does have moments where it includes scenes that are taken directly from the original. Like there's a scene in the remake where the the like the coal mining coats are all falling down in the locker room. Like we have that exact oh, yeah. scene. Um, I did like that. They, they directly adapted that scene into the new version. Yes. Like, that was one of the, the better set pieces from the original. And they, they put it very neatly into the new yeah. one. Um, and so like I, I do and like some of the concepts from the original are sort of like, taken and sort of expanded upon like in the original you have like cops who are like we're not going to tell people these these murders are happening right now and in, in the remake we have this was vigilante justice and we didn't tell anyone about it it's sort of like taking that like sort of nugget of plot device in the original and making it a bigger plot device in this one it's like well was harry ward never dead yeah. because they didn't tell anyone and only they knew about it and like um and so it's just like a sort of like it's interesting the way the remake takes certain plot elements from the, from the original and reworks them for like a different sort of story in a different time. I mean, 2009 was just a totally 2009. America was a very different time than 1981 Canada. It was just a totally different world, you know? Um, (laughs) um, so it's, it's, I actually think the, the remake was so effective and like, updating itself for the totally different setting and environment that it was putting itself into. Um, yeah. So, which is interesting. A lot of remakes do not do that very well. So 
Yeah. I actually did think this was a very good remake. I mean, I I had not seen either of these films until the last week. Right. So I, I really liked watching the original. I felt like it was a great classic slasher. But then I feel like the 2000s update like actually did a really good job of modernizing it and putting enough interesting twists on the story to keep things fresh and interesting. And uh, I don't really have a problem with either one of them. I think they're both great. Yeah. And, and they they line up really well with my opinions of the um, the Black Christmas movie and the remake in that like the 2000s one is a little kookier, but it's still fun and it's still well-made. And there's some good stuff about it that they tried to add in that I thought really worked quite well yeah um so yeah i mean i th- i think they both have a lot going for them i it, it's interesting to me like because like the 2000s to me seems like such a like a just a dreary time for horror remakes but the more i get into it like some of these remakes are actually really quite good i think so, so too. i think i think um i don't have a lot Bad to say about it. I think there's a certain bias against remakes that we're, we're still sort of working to get out of that bias. Um, I think that's one problem. Um, I also think that a lot of remakes in the 2000s, there were certain major global events in the early 2000s that shadowed, you know, that cast a shadow over a lot of movies that came right <laughs> afterwards. Um, yeah. And we're still sort of like, it's still sort of hard to unpack the ways that that impacted them. And I think that the further we get out from them, the better some of these things get. Um, Just because like at the time, I mean, you see this now with like the way the torture porn genre is now regarded. Like it is getting better and better regarded as we get away from it. Like people are now, you know, there are more people who like saw, there are more people who like hostile, like, and it's like, at the time, people were just like, this is just like violence for violence sake. And now people get away from it. And it's like, it's hard not to see this as a sort of reaction to like 9-11 and then the war on terror and the torture stories that came out of that. Like, right. that's exactly. You contextualize it better yeah. when you have like distance from the actual Exactly. Material. And so I think we're doing that with like a lot of these remakes too. And the way that like, like, I mean, you can see it with, I mean, not. I mean, I don't think that My Bloody Valentine intentionally, knowingly was an expose on the financial crisis in Pennsylvania and the U S but it is quite obviously colored by the fact that it is a 2009 movie set in coal mining America. Like, absolutely. It it is extremely clear that that is the case. And I think that at the time you're watching it, it might in 2009 watching it, that might not be as obvious. It might be like, there's a woman running around naked. I don't know what's going on. And this is ridiculous. <laughs> we are now watching it in 2021. And it's like, well, very clearly in 09, what was going on in like coal mining America? And what were the sort of like trends and tropes that we were seeing in film? This is playing on so many of those in smart ways. Like, so I think it's just distance does help. And it, it's helping a lot with the way we see these horror remakes of the 2000s or horror of the 2000s more broadly, not even just remakes. Because um, 2000s right. horror does get a lot of, I mean, 90s horror gets a lot of negative rep too, but like 2000s horror gets a lot of negative uh, attention. Um, and I think that we're sort of stepping out of that 
knee-jerk negative reaction towards a lot of it because we're actually contextualizing it and understanding why it was the way that it was. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's very interesting to be watching a lot of these 2000s horror movies for the first time or for the second time anyway, like um, having like first been introduced to horror in the 2000s myself. Exactly, yeah. Um, it's just a completely different context for everything. You know? Right. Um, oh, one thing I did want to mention before we close out on the remake, um, in the credits for this film, there was a special thanks given to Melanie Farmer for letting us get Todd naked. <laughs> I just wanted to, to call that out. I don't know who Todd is. Isn't Todd, um, it, isn't Todd the guy it, who was having sex with Betsy Rue's character? Um, yeah, the 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 trucker yeah, maybe. It's the trucker guy. Todd yeah. Farmer was a trucker. I figured, I figured that was him. Like, I I am not don't know for sure, but I think that's him. No, I'm like 100 uh, percent sure because I distinctly <laughs> remember looking up. This is really bad. I remember looking up who the trucker was and knowing that it was Todd Farmer. <laughs> um, so it's um. You were you were you were doing some investigations into the trucker. Yes. Were you? Yes. Um. Also, Todd Farmer <laughs> doing a little doing a little research. Also, Todd Farmer wrote Drive Angry. Sorry. Um. <laughs> we did. <laughs> yes. I just need that to be known. Um. The guy who wrote Drive Angry was naked yeah. in that scene. Um, okay. So, um, um. Drive Angry is a great yeah. film. That's yeah. that's a fantastic yeah. movie. It's it, it's the sort of thing we might cover on this podcast. I it's a fantastic fucking movie. love Drive Angry. We could absolutely it's cover so Drive Angry on this podcast. Um, so yeah, um, but that's yes. Todd Farmer. Thank you, Melon. Thank you, Melanie Farmer. Thank you, Melanie Farmer. For letting Presumably, us Melanie get is Todd's Todd wife. Naked. Um, Yes, so. I think that's how that yeah. works. Um, um, so yeah, that's. I that's do appreciate that. I appreciate Melanie for letting that happen, in more ways than one. So you know, it takes a lot of people to make a movie yeah, happen. So, yeah, it takes all types. It takes all types. That's all right. Okay. So, so that was my bloody Valentine. We hope you're having a happy Valentine's Day. We hope. That you're not getting murdered by some sort of vindictive minor from 10 or 20 years ago. If you are, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, that's really too bad. Um, <laughs> it's 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 quite unfortunate. The good news um, is that but, most minors after 10 or 20 years actually don't have the physical capacity to run around and murder people because they're too busy coughing up a lung. They have the black lung. Yes. See, this is the only movie that makes coal mining seem fun. Okay, the remake does not make coal mining town seem fun. Only the original. Only the yeah, original. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll caveat that. In the only remake, the coal mining make. town seems like a bad place. Bad place to be. Don't want to be. It there. seems much darker in the remake. Yeah. Anyway, so yes, coal mining not fun, um, but. We hope that you're not getting murdered by any rogue coal miners these days. Um, in the meantime, you can find us on all the major podcast platforms, Buzzed On Movies. And if you want to leave us a review, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts. 
You can also find us on social media, Buzzed on Movies on Twitter and buzzedonmovies at gmail.com if you want to send us an email. Let us know what you're doing this Valentine's Day, hopefully not getting murdered by a cannibalistic miner. And as always, we'll see you at the movies. We'll see you at the movies. Someday. Maybe. Unclear. Someday. Unclear. Someday. Somehow. Someday. I'm gonna make it all right, but not right now. I know you're wondering where.